Guys, I'm interrupting this podcast because I have a very important announcement. What is it? Well, I have to let you all know that it is because of my valiant efforts, my soul-sacrificing of my own wallet and time, my own generous heart to give to those around me and spread joy. It is due to all of that that Bad Rats 2 has been funded. Bad Rats 2 is a thing, and it's actually coming out. There's a a trailer on YouTube. Go look for it. I might put it in the show notes. I'm lying. I never do show notes. (laughs) So, hey, um, we, we now bring you back to your regularly scheduled Socks cast. Episode freaking eight, which is actually episode nine. Because we did, you know, three point one there a while back, so this is technically uh, the this is technically the ninth episode, um, and we're getting real close to the end of the year now, real down to the wire, and it's it's getting to be game of the year time. People are yeah, everybody out there, you're you're running out of time to have your games of the year read right here on the podcast. Um, so why don't you go ahead and get your top three games listed? Write a little Making bit of something. This is fun. Write a little something about them. And send that off to podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net, and we'll read them here. And like John said, lists are fun. So, uh, continuing with where we usually take these things, to my immediate virtual right, he's going to unzip his pants and blind you with his magic sign Milky Way. It's red. <laughs> hey. How you doing? Did you run out of Toho games? Maybe. Maybe <laughs> it's it's been a while since we've done one of these. Are you are you sure yeah. you're up for it? No, you're not. Neither <laughs> neither am I. And to my immediate virtual left, he can write the alphabet with his tongue during cunnilingus. It's John Thayer. Hello. <laughs> How you doing, John? Doing really well, thank you. Yeah, I, I've made the joke. I guess offline quite a bit that this is basically going to be the great big John update episode. So, um, we're just going to fucking jump right into it. John, what have you been into? Well, let's see here. Uh, I played a bunch of games and I got married. You got married. How did that happen? How did that happen? Um, (laughs) well, Anna and I went to a church that we like and invited a bunch of people we like. And we didn't invite anybody that we don't like. It's pretty great. It seems pretty par for the course for a wedding. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Any fun stories from the wedding? Um, let me see. Well, uh, it went really well. I forgot that you're not supposed to kiss the bride until the end of the ceremony. <laughs> I'm not that, surprised. That was a little awkward, but it worked out okay. I, I said, apparently I said, like, oops. <laughs> and a bunch of the people <laughs> laughed. Um, and they have photos. That's pretty great. And Anna's shoes hurt a lot during the beginning, so we just took them off. Because fuck shoes, hurt. am I right? They, they fucking always hurt. Fucking dress shoes, fuck them. Give me boots. 
If I get married, if I get married, I'm just gonna wear boots. I don't care. Mm-hmm. Yeah, barefoot is really nice too. And then they all blew bubbles at us after we hugged them goodbye, and we walked through the bubbles. Did you hug then, the bu- Did you hug the bubbles goodbye? And then we hugged the bubbles and ran home for an hour to do stuff, and then we ran back to the area where we had the reception. Home mm-hmm. for an hour to do stuff. What's a good? Um, Hannah, what's a good? Um, Thing for what we did. What's a good word? That's like <laughs> euphemism. Um, what do they call it? Consummating the marriage. There we go. <laughs> oh, so you fucked? Yeah, yeah, that's the one. Okay, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, that's used for a minute there. That's what it said initially. Yeah, that's true. Mm, always a good thing. Always a good thing. And then we went and had a great party, and Anna got drunk for like the second or third time ever, and we played Cards Against Humanity, which someone had got us as a present. Any great drunk bride stories? Did you catch that? Yeah. All right, there we go. And we also got a guest book that was just a bunch of Pokemon on a poster, and people signed <laughs> under the Pokemon that they liked. <laughs> I and knew, then, you had, <laughs> knew you were going to work Pokemon in there somehow. Well, yeah, we had to fit it in there somehow. And then uh, my dad signed under one of them, I love my boobs, Anna. <laughs> After the Cards Against Humanity. Apparently he asked me to do this, but I don't remember agreeing to such things. Mm-hmm. He said, oh, you said that Anna said, yeah, sure, go for it. Then laughed, but she doesn't remember that after last night. I don't remember a few things. And then <laughs> I ran home. And then we, I drove her home. And life was good. Oh. Well, it sounds like you had a great little time. I know, right? Yeah, I'm. I'm still pissed off. I wasn't invited. I mean, you think you pod, you, you do a podcast with a dude for like 23 years, and you think he could fucking invite you to I'm a sorry. wedding? Should be, should be. And I know Rhett is equally upset. I meant uh, to send. I meant to send y'all invitations, but I was just lazy. They were on his computer. They were okay. I them on his computer. <laughs> he has no excuse. We didn't send them. Wow. Okay. You're a lazy motherfucker, John. <laughs> I'm a. I'm pretty lazy. If it, if Anna had been in charge, it probably would have happened. <laughs> say it. Say it, John. Say it. Say it. I am a lazy motherfucker. I am a lazy motherfucker. And I'm sorry. And I'm sorry. And my penis is small. And my penis is small. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so. Uh, anything else fun from the wedding you two might want to go over, or are we going to move on to, like, the real important stuff that you get up to in your life with the whole video games thing? Um, was there anything else besides the wedding of note? Finals week? No, no, whatever. School, yeah. whatever. And, um, no, nah, not really. Let's we'll move right. on to the important stuff now. Let's move on to the good stuff. The things that really matter in life. I mean, weddings, you have those every week. I mean, who fucking cares? <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Uh, well, what games have I been playing lately? Mm-hmm. Let's see. Well, I, be- I played actually a lot of video games all the way through considering I was getting married last week. Yeah, how the hell did you find the time <laughs> to see. do all of this? Because I know that planning and the wedding week itself are in no way fucking easy things to go through, and yet you were on your ass the whole time 
loading up Steam. I saw you on there the whole time. Like, what? How is he dicking around on Steam when he's getting married? Um. Well, I just spent a little lot of time, and I didn't get a lot of sleep. And also, I let Anna do more of the preparation than I probably should have. <laughs> and um. Yeah, so I managed to play like three 10-hour, 15-hour games. <laughs> My God. And a big platformer and several like two or three-hour games. Well, let's go ahead and run down the list. Here we go. Here we All go. Right. Well, in the past two weeks, I managed to start pl- play start to finish Sonic Adventure 1. <sighs> and as we all know, that game is really good and cool in a lot of ways, right? Oh, yes. What are you talking about? Okay. I think I actually brought this up at the end of the last podcast and said, um, uh, well, I started this game, Sonic Adventure 1. I played about 45 minutes, and I don't really like it all that much. And I, think I probably won't should, play any more of it. And I think you should just continue. I, I thought, hey, that's a great mindset to go into Sonic Adventure with. That's the one I'd go into it because that game is a garbage factory. Yeah. Um, well, all right. If you can ignore the fact that... None of the sections are really fun to play. <laughs> um, yeah, I'll look past and the, that, the fact uh, that 100% of the game is no fun. <laughs> and that a lot of the voice acting is really bad, and there's a lot of weird audio stuff, and the music like cuts out in between every scene in a weird way, and nothing really flows right. But the camera doesn't and, work. And the camera doesn't work. And the stages some, are shoddily designed. Um, one of the, a lot of the in between like adventure stages are kind of obtuse, but they rely on having like this little hint sprite that just tells you what to do. Basically, um, you fall through the world a lot. There are realistic humans, which is really weird. Um, okay, so if you can ignore all that, <laughs> then I think Sonic Adventure is a really cool game. So what Y'all. what makes it cool in spite of all that? Okay. So everything that's cool about Sonic Adventure 1 is kind of like in direct opposite of Sonic Adventure 2 when we get to that. Yeah. So basically, Sonic Adventure 1 is split up into these six different stories. Um, Sonic's is, Sonic, Tails, Amy, Knuckles, Gamma, the robot, and Big, the cat. <laughs> and then Sonic's is about four hours long. Or three hours long, something like that. And if and you're going, and if you're going to subject yourself to torture of this game, that is the only one you should play. So you can play just Sonic if you're boring, and then you can play Tails and Knuckles and all those. And none of the other routes are more than an hour long. Um, and they all go through the same chronology, the same story timeline, um, just from different perspectives. And details of that story change. Yeah, from route to route, kind of have an unreliable narrator thing going on, you know. Yes. Okay, fine. I'll give you that. (laughs) See the story from different perspectives. When Knuckles, if if I can accept unreliable narrator in Binding of Isaac, I will take unreliable narrator in Sonic. So when Knuckles plays, he sees himself as having destroyed um, uh, the big water thing six on his own, and Sonic plays it. He sees himself as beating the big water thing. When Big plays it. Well, yeah. He's and, just an um, idiot. <laughs> I'll, be, I'll beat the cat. Look at me, Froggy. Froggy. I'm and, the stupidest video game character ever exists. Why'd they waste RAM on me? 
That's a pretty good impression. <laughs> so, again, none of the sections are actually fun. So there's no, like, moment where it feels like one any... So I played through Sonics. I was like, eh. And then I played through Tail. Uh, then I played through Knuckles because Tails is the, a lot of the same level. So I wanted to hold that off. So then I played through Knuckles and Amy and Gamma, then Tails, and then Big. And then I got to do the climax. Um, and I really... Hmm. If you enjoyed I'm nothing trying- about playing this game, how the hell can you say this? Oh well, I appreciated God. the unfolding of the story, like different layers of an onion, just peeling back and seeing like the different things that were going on. The way um, the past thing, Sonic thing, what's her name? Tikal. Tikal, yeah, yeah, obviously. Um, the way her story unfolds throughout the various narratives is cool. Um, and I really appreciated that it didn't like drag out any one particular segment of boring mechanics too long. It was progressing quickly from different kinds of boring mechanics to another kind of boring mechanics. So I never got too bored with any of the badness. No, those knuckle stages were pretty bad. I think maybe you're confusing with Sonic Adventure Two and Sonic Adventure One. They're all like three or four minutes long max. Yeah, they get way longer in two. Oh. Two, they're like 30 minutes long. It's ridiculous. And one, they're all over really quickly, and they're back to the adventure world, kind of watching cutscenes, watching the story unfold. Um, the actual levels in Sonic's Knuckles stage are probably like a third of his envi- of the game, mm. uh, of his path. And, the, and um, Amy's levels are short and okay, and they have a nice... Pay- I really like Amy's path because it has this cool payoff where you're getting chased by this thing throughout all of her levels and then the end you just like it like hits a bird and then you're like fuck you robot i wanted to i was trying to help that bird and then she just beats it up and it's great it's it's a cute payoff yeah i think that that payoff to amy's thing is cute um i like the payoffs to tails level um because a lot of it is just kind of retreading sonic stuff but then at the end he has two levels that are just him and Eggman in Tails Root is really scary because for the final confrontation with Eggman, he's already completely lost. So he's just doing it because he wants to fucking kill Tails. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and there's something kind of scary about that. And the fight goes pretty quickly. And, uh, and Tails himself is, feels very like lost and scared without Sonic. So there's a cool payoff with Tails' little arc. Um... Sonic's himself just kind of laying the groundwork. It's probably the gamiest of the arcs because it has the Sonic stages. And they're pretty good. They're okay. Um, I liked a few of the later stages a lot in Sonic stage. Sonic's. I, I found that I hated most of the later stages because uh, I, I think that finding the correct path in some of those was just a pain in the ass, especially with the camera not working with you at all. Uh-huh. Um, it feels much more like... Let's awkwardly try to fit 2D Sonic in a 3D world rather than let's try to restructure 2D Sonic in such a way that he works in a 3D world is kind of how Sonic Adventure 1 feels. Yeah. It's kind of about looking cool and having these dynamic camera angles that aren't really great to play from. Yeah, they're not conducive to good gameplay. I mean, good Mm -hmm. luck trying to maintain control and go as fast as the game seems to want you to go in some of those Mm -hmm. areas. because The levels are really open, a lot of them. 
later on, um, which I think is cool. That fits more like in Sonic 3 and everything, and right. contrasting that with Sonic Generations and everything. It's just that it isn't really good. It's a neat contrast, <laughs> but the later games kind of have are way more fun to play because they're way more focused on that like kind of Twitch memorization figuring out how to look cool going down this level and getting a high score and everything. And I think that's really good in Sonic Generations. Um, so Sonic Adventure 1, the Sonic series aren't really good. And then the final boss is really hard. And it's <laughs> yeah. just kind of a grind. Yeah. It's just like, we're going to have a four-minute fight with no checkpoints. So it's, just die on every attack until you figure it out and then like grind every, the fight again. every damn 3D Sonic like the ending, like the last, you know, like the true ending, like when you uh, do whatever it is you need to do to unlock the final, you know, Eggman fight or whatever the hell it is, chaos, uh-huh. and all of that shit. They're all so overwrought and annoying, and they utilize mechanics that were never used before. It's just so dumb. Yeah, the Egg Viper fight didn't really resonate with me. Um, the Tails well, fight was much better. The Egg Viper fight, I mean, that's just a normal route end boss, but I'm talking about, like, when you go into the final the climax. Super we'll, get to, yeah. we'll get to that. We need to go through all the routes individually first. <laughs> no, we don't. Um, you need so, to talk about Gamma. <laughs> so Gamma's route. Oh, my God. Okay, so the, the actual levels of Gamma are fine. They're just, like, short little shooty things that are okay, and then they, they're yeah. over. Um, which is which is what you can say about all the action stages in Sonic Adventure is that uh, they're okay and then they're over. And um, his payoff, the payoff to Gamma's level, is nuts. There's like multiple really interesting little story beats in that game. Like when he walks into the room and sees the his robot friend's corpse just kind of strewed about, mm. and then walks out and says, "Wrong room." Yep. <laughs> And it's just, like, a pretty... And it has a nice little thing where he uh, he kind of is flashing through these moments and kind of is... You can see him arriving at this revelation in a neat way. Yeah. And then the slow dawning realization as you're going back and when you... Re- it says rescue X and then you have to just kill the robots. So you're like, oh, shit, what do I do? I just kill it. And then the bird flies out or the whatever flies out. And the slow dawning realization that at the end of this, you're going to have to kill yourself. And then he walks out and says, he walks out of the ship and goes, the only remaining robots are Gamma and Beta. And then you have the final boss fight with Beta. And then you get hit and and you beat up Beta and Beta's little bird flies out. And you like slowly explode... And then you, your little bird flies out. And then it cuts the credits before you see them reunite. And then it goes through the whole, like, five-minute credit scene. And then the last picture is the two birds together. Oh. And they're the two, they're the bird family that the Amy's bird reunites with at the end. They're the mom and dad bird. Like, I think that's the, other the, little the, bird. The, the only real cool payoff in that oh. entire game. <laughs> Yep, and it, and, it do, and it doesn't and it doesn't make it worth playing. No, not at all. The that cute game. little birds, <laughs> so game. sweet, and they got to be together at the end. <laughs> my God! Oh my God! They were so sweet. And that last image was just so nice, and and how it how it surprisingly came together with Amy's ending. Yeah, it was really yeah, sweet. Glad I played Amy's ending first, or even if I played Amy's second, then that would have had the sweet payoff. Yeah. <gasps> 
it would have been interesting seeing, like, having you have seen those, you know, in the opposite order to see if your opinion would have changed. Because I think, like, the climax um, on Gamma's side uh, works way better. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And then I played Big's level, and it was a half hour long, and then it was over. <laughs> I mean, Big's level, for all the grief that Big the Cat's level gets, it was shorter than some of the Knuckles single knuckle stages or rouge stages in Sonic Adventure 2 was the entirety of Big the Cat's levels and you actually had like walking around and cutscenes and stuff instead of just fishing oh my god I think Big and Big the Cat stuff sometimes the fish you need won't actually spawn they don't actually spawn like it won't make something big enough for you to clear so wait a minute no 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 in order to beat the levels all you have to do is catch the frog in every single level Mm. you only need to catch the pig weighty fish if you're trying to get like a hundred percent completion in Uh sonic adventure one right if you're doing that oh my god there's (laughs) emblem missions jesus christ oh my god okay actually i know somebody that basically spent the last week doing that oh yeah oh does she listen to this i don't know if she does or not my odds are no Oh, but okay, yeah. so if you're trying to 100% Sonic Adventure 1, then I'm sure a lot of this game's exi- faults will be very heavily accentuated by that experience, which is why I definitely <laughs> am not going to do that. No, um, there's, there's no reason. But can we talk about how shitty that game plays? Oh my god. <laughs> no, 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 not done. And then you get oh, to the final boss fight, god. and then they all, they all bring you the Chaos Emeralds, and you kind of see all your friends come together. And it's all nice, but not in. It's not as overwrought as the. I keep I keep coming comparing it with Sonic Adventure Two, but like, it doesn't feel like it's trying really really hard to impress you with the big with the um, power of friendship saving the day. The the cutscenes over pretty quick. It's understated. And yeah, that's that. I think that's Sonic Adventure One's big strength is that it's really weird, and doesn't really make sense, but it is pretty understated in how most of the little plot stuff progresses, which makes it way more palatable even if the story isn't actually really good. And so, yeah, and then I beat Chaos, and it was fine. Um, And then I saved the day with the power of friendship and Tikal came, and then Chaos turned out to be good, but it just... (laughs) It was sweet. And And then it shows the end where all the little things with to call and chaos and it's happy and just made me feel good feelings so you're a weird one i have a lot of very heavily <laughs> intellectualized opinions about sonic adventure one yes and that's it's an interesting that, game that's that oh. it made me feel good feelings periodically in such amounts that i overall enjoyed it all of that goodwill was just wasted on me <laughs> it's, I, I replayed um just today i replayed sonic's route Oh my god. I would uh, I am not kidding or exaggerating when I say I would rather play Sonic 06. I, I think that at times Sonic 06 is a more playable game <laughs> than, than Sonic Adventure is. You can fucking quote me all day on that. 
And then Sonic, but that's the thing with like with Sonic 06's plot, it isn't understated at all. It's no, like, it's it's God, big, grand, dumb JRPG. Oh God, it's stupidly elaborate in just like the dumbest possible way. <laughs> it has that final boss fight where it plays like the big orchestral rendition of the title theme. <laughs> yeah. Dun, 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 dun. It's, it's a really good title theme, though. I'll it's a great, it that. yeah, great music. It's just so silly and oh overwrought. god, that, it's just so overwrought and stupid. Because they're just it's, a bunch of animals. It's like, come on, guys, like calm a, down. A, and there's like five levels or something where he runs through the level with her in his arm, with the girl in his arms. Yeah, it's so dumb. <laughs> but so yeah, Sonic Adventure One never felt like it was really insulting me, which I appreciated. And even if it didn't play that great, I still enjoyed the experience of. Seeing that story from different perspectives. Well, at and least you got at least you got all the good feelings out of it. Yeah, and if you just play Sonic's route, I absolutely agree. That's just a bad, crappy Sonic game. I think all of the value of that game is in how the different routes kind of come together and play out. And on a micro level, there really isn't anything that's well done or well executed. YouTube the cutscenes. Eh. They're really yeah, they're really bad. Um, well, I. They were really bad at first, and then I just got used to it. <laughs> um, I also really like the intro. It's so weird and doesn't feel it. It's like 45 seconds of, like, weird rock and with, like, this <laughs> dragon thing coming out of the um, building. Yeah. It doesn't feel like JRPG overwrought. It's just bizarre. It doesn't make sense for a Sonic game at all. And the tails and pals come out. It's like, what? <laughs> So it's a different kind of dumb, I think, than like Sonic 06, if that makes sense. Yeah. No, it totally makes sense. So Sonic Adventure 1's flavor of dumb um, is something that I appreciated a lot more than the later Sonic games, I think. And then Sonic Colors and Sonic Generations are just, let's turn it into a silly cartoon in Saturday morning cartoons and the cutscenes and keep them brief and out of the way. And I think is, that really works for those games. Which is probably the better approach, yeah. But it... It does not do anything. All the good things that Sonic Adventure 1 did for me are not present in Generations or Colors because they just weren't trying to do anything like that. They were just, let's make the game actually fun and focus on that, which is probably the better route. But I admire Sonic Adventure 1 anyway. Um, so I, is that anything else to say about that well, game? I've they got play- some stuff to say about that game. Go for it. Uh so Sonic has been kind of weird since the beginning where the original game you had, you're just a blue hedgehog trying to save animals that are inside these robots. And there's this big fat guy and you've got like nature based stages like Green Hill Zone. But then you've also got the city based stages like Starlight and Scrap, was it? Brain. Scrap Brain. So like oh, those levels are so cool. <laughs> but visually, the game never really made any sense where it's like, well, who's in these cities? Are they just unpopulated? And then that kind of went for a while, and you had some weird stuff like there being a freaking casino on Angel Island for no reason. <laughs> and then you get to Sonic Adventure, and they're just kind of like, oh, well, I guess Sonic is in a city now, and there's humans, and it's kind of awkward. Yeah, I don't understand the impetus of putting Sonic in like a real-world setting. It just does not make any sense to me whatsoever. But it's kind of following themes that have been there since the beginning because of stages like Starlight Zone. Right. I I, I get that. 
but it's just it's so weird running around and interacting with humans that yeah. like that are completely not bothered by this fucking talking hedgehog running around. Mm. I think that's part of Sonic Adventure's like clashing dumb aesthetic that I mentioned yeah. in the intro video. That's part of what gives that game such a distinct flavor that I eventually found endearing. It's got uh, a flavor of like they don't know what to do anymore. Because yeah, exactly. They made the Genesis games and then they took the Saturn off because nothing came together for that. And it feels like Sonic Adventure is also more influenced by like the image of Sonic rather than oh, what the definitely. games ever were. Definitely. And especially that intro is like the definitive moment where Sonic's running and he's really fast and oh, we're playing rock music now. Crush 40. It's Look how such, cool he is. <laughs> it's such a massive departure from the relatively understated, like, cute kind of... Sonic 1, kind oh of. Oh my god. Yeah. I replayed like, Sonic 1, and that game is just a weird... A, it's just an abstract, silly platformer, and it's yeah. really nice. Or, like, the title screen is Sonic and Knuckles. Like, the intro is, like, four seconds long, and they're yeah. just, like, waving the finger around, and then... Yeah. Yeah. So Sonic Adventure is, like, it's the marketing Sonic come to life, finally, where... He's cool and he's edgy. Yeah, he's extreme. And then... Mm-hmm. Only thing that saves it at all is the more understated yeah. presentation. The fact that they went into that whole hog later on is kind of what yeah. killed it for me. They went into that whole hedgehog. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, cool, so it's also cool, kind of like... I think they were influenced by games, you know, like other 3D games like Mario 64 or Ocarina of Time, where they kind of felt like... Well, we, the whole game can't just be Sonic, so we've got to put some other stuff in here. Like, we've got to put Big the Cat in here, and we've got to have a fishing minigame, because Ocarina of Time did. Just kind of... Yeah, model itself more off Ocarina of Time when it should have been more modeling itself more on Mario 64. Yeah. Like, as far as transitions from 2D to 3D, I feel like Mario 64 was conceptually kind of perfect, even if a lot of the indiv- kind of execution is, can, could have been tweaked. Yeah. And Sonic Adventure 1, there's just something very right and together about Super Mario 64. Mm-hmm. And Sonic Adventure has gone the complete other side of the spectrum from that. It is, well, yeah. you know, it is utter chaos, not to throw a pun out there, but... It is, though, where Mario 64 was just about moving Mario in 3D space. Like, there's that whole outside the castle where you can just have fun moving Mario in 3D space. Yeah, the outside of the jump. castle just speaks to how, like kind of together that game is i think and then sonic adventure yeah. is just like we're throwing shit at the wall and i don't know see what sticks yeah here's a city and there's like but there's a train system i don't fucking know there's a beach house whatever and like the there's first sonic ladies. level the first sonic level you run on the beach for like 10 seconds and then you hit a spring and then you hit this area where the walls are rubberized, and you just completely go out of control. Yeah. <laughs> even even back in the day, that little segment never made any sense to me. Like, why is this section where you, like, completely lose control of the character ten seconds into the game? Yeah. It's, it's terrible. <laughs> but, oh, like John said, I think the value in, the game, in that game is almost accidental, where I think the narrative structure of these six stories all taking place at the same time is really neat. And then, yeah, of it's course, completely the, distinct from like the Genesis games. There's nothing about it that is uniquely like Sonic. There's almost nothing like that in games in general. It's kind of a pretty unique hip hook. I think. Yeah, Life I really Life think might so. have did something like that. Yeah, kind of, uh, it wasn't the same story. It was like six different oh. stories, and then they come together. 
Uh, so it was okay. more like an anthology game. I don't know. So that and then the ending for Gamma, I think, kind of save it almost. But yeah, yeah and it's I a like weird I game. like Tails's payoff. I like um, I kind of like Amy's payoff. And I there's a weird kind of melancholy with Knuckles in this arc where he's like, "Well, I guess I just have to protect this emerald forever." Yeah. <laughs> and then at the end, he's like, "I don't know what happened, but it's probably for the best. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just gonna go back to guarding the emerald forever." It's kind of funny where you almost think that the other characters are much more interesting than Sonic. Oh, absolutely. Like, you He's just, kind of like a blank. Even it's though he weird. probably does have the best playing stages by yeah. a little bit. Yeah, yeah. But like his story is just the most straightforward, like, gotta stop Eggman. Mm-hmm. There's nothing really to him. It's more like uh, the other characters' perspectives are coloring yeah. s- color Sonic into different ways. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I just wanted to kind of get my piece out there. Uh, I did replay Sonic 1, and I played Sonic 2 for my bachelor party, and then it was a pretty happy. <laughs> You're just a evening. real exciting dude, I gotta say. That's, that's a hell of a bachelor party. Yeah. Well, yeah. I got all my dude friends together, and I got Anna there, and... Um, yeah, the chick's always supposed to be at the bachelor party. That's how it goes. And um, we had to leave early. Um, <laughs> we had there. to be responsible. And then <laughs> I played through Sonic 2, and then ran out of continues fighting Eggman. But yeah, the last boss in that game is ridiculously oh, hard. God, yeah, it's, it's really like hard. twelve hits with no rings, and you have to fight Metal Sonic. Yeah, I know. It's really mean. They added, and they they added rings continues. in. Um, they added rings in later. Uh, yeah, releases. Yeah, that's probably smart. Yeah, that's that's the funny thing about Metro- about Sonic Two is that Metropolis Zone, um, so long zone, and then the final boss fight really upped the ante a lot. Oh yeah. It's interesting. That game is crazy long when you sit down to play it in one go. Yeah. So, yeah, we set oh. an hour and a half aside, and I was going to play through Sonic 2, and then I failed at the end. And it was really sad. <laughs> John, tell him, or say your saga theory for Sonic 2 about it taking away your safety nets. Oh, yeah, this was a cool thing. Um, we did notice that we had, I had a person with me playing as Tails, <laughs> which is obviously not really that fun because they don't have any control of the camera. But on the boss fights, I just kind of pulled back and let them, let them do their thing because yeah. he was invincible. So I beat Metropolis Zone with Tails, and then we went into and then we got to Wing Fortress tail Zone, and I lost Tails. I didn't have Tails anymore, so Uh-oh. I had to suddenly fight boss fights on my own. And then you get to the last level, and you don't have rings anymore. So that's, that's, those are that's my, an interesting observation. Yeah, so I had these two little safety nets that were really helpful for hard things, and they took away both of them kind of piece by piece. I think Tails is pretty inessential in a single-player run, so it doesn't really yeah. matter for most people, but that was an interesting experience, I think. That's, wow. I never ha- I would have thought about it that way. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, Sonic 1, was all- Sonic 1 was really good. I played that one again. I really liked that game. Um, I guess not having the spin dash and the number of traps in that game make you worry a lot more about your momentum and because sometimes you need to get up ramps so you have to build up speed and other times there's a bunch of traps so you have to slow down and lose your speed and in Sonic 2 and 3 you can just build up speed instantly so there's not really that push and pull of caring about how you how your what your momentum is at spin any given dash time. was a, 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 like a brilliant 
idea to, to introduce uh, into Sonic 2. I think it just it, it allowed that game to be what the first game could not. Yeah, it's a completely it makes it into a different game and I think a better game. It makes it the stages in Sonic 2 are really breezy and fun and you move through them and everything goes by, everything is moving so fast but there's also a lot of weight to Sonic's movement. And they're designed so well that you never feel like you hit a dead end or like just this sudden stop and then like you don't know where to go. Yeah. They're, desi- they're designed so open that like there are distinct faster paths if you stay up top, but mm-hmm. even the lower paths never start feeling like a trudge to get through. Um, exactly. They're, they're just so damn well designed. Uh-huh. And, especially, and um, the fact that they can do that while also like feeling like your actions have weight and consequence in right. Sonic 2 and 3. The fact that they do that, and because like Sonic CD, you can move to the right and you basically always can just be moving to the right mm-hmm. and the levels just blow by and it doesn't feel rewarding at all. It's just boring. But wait, have you tried moving to the left? <laughs> so <laughs> Backtrack in that game. Yeah. So Sonic 2 and 3 are really smart in that respect. Sonic 1 is just a very different game. It's actually kind of slow-paced, I think. And just as an interesting momentum-controlling platformer, like if Mar- you, you just has way more weight to him. You have to be more conscious of how what speed you're at at a given time. Right. And it's like if Mario actually acted his, his fat weight. Like. <laughs> Basically. Well, if we're going to be offensive about it. Sorry. <laughs> Fat-shaming Mario. <laughs> and I really like the abstract Starlight Zone and Scrap Brain Zone. I, I like the aesthetics of all of the stages in Sonic 1. And, yeah. Those, I really like the old Sonic games. So Sonic Adventure 1. You, you yep. played that. I like that. It doesn't obviously isn't as together as Sonic 1 or 2 or 3. <laughs> and um, then I played Sonic Adventure 2. Oh, God. <laughs> okay, so at first I liked Sonic Adventure 2 a lot more, um, obviously, because the Sonic stages are obviously play a lot better. They're way more linear, they're more focused, you can just... But they also, there's a lot of nuance in, like, trying to get through them quickly and finding little different routes. An interesting bit of trivia about that game. Um, yeah? The first area of the... So- the, the first uh, area, the first Sonic stage... Um, I remember getting the demo uh, yeah. with my copy of Fantasy Star Online, um, and I-, I was really surprised that that first stage ran at uh, 60 frames a second, because it was like the first time, like, I never felt the the sense of speed in Sonic Adventure 1 that I guess they wanted me to feel. Oh, never. Never. Uh, and that game originally ran at 30 frames per second on the Dreamcast, so when I played the the Sonic Adventure 2 demo and it was like just this greased fucking lightning fast game it was really it was impressive at first so yeah i really really like the sonic stages in sonic adventure 2 um even when they get hard later on they always felt pretty fair <laughs> pretty fair um <laughs> it still has a good number of the problems that the first game has and that the levels that's have a lot of bullshit deaths. The camera's gonna f- completely fuck you over. You're gonna fall through the world for no fucking reason. Um, One thing about both games is that checkpoints are spaced pretty frequently and yeah. generally have a good number of lives. So I never... It, and you get back started really quickly, kind of like Meat Boys. So even though there's a lot of bullshit deaths, it never grinded on me really heavily for that reason. Right. 
Um, but this game's structured I, entirely differently. So yeah. in Sonic Adventure <laughs> 1, you've got six different paths that all play differently, and you play through them all, and then you can get the true ending. In Sonic Adventure 2, there are two paths where you play as three different characters, and you alternate between them each stage. So like stage 1 is Sonic, stage 2 is Tails, stage 3 is Knuckles, and then it moves on from there. Generally, there are more Tails and Knuckles stages than there are Sonic levels. Um, but there are a good number of Sonic levels, and they were really enjoyable. Tales of Stages are like Gammas, except they're twice as long. Um, yeah, and they're all pretty easy. So you just kind of move through and shoot stuff. And then you get to the end. And that's it. And then Knuckles Stages. <laughs> oh. So in Sonic Adventure 1, you get you can find... the, the You have your radar, and it tells you where how close you are to any of the three emeralds at any given time. In Sonic Adventure 2, it only tells you how close you are to one of the emeralds. You yeah. have to find them one at a time. They have to be found in a specific order. And there is absolutely no reason they would have done that except to make the stages longer and to pad out the playtime. Oh, I'm absolutely convinced of that. That the only reason they did it was to pad out the playtime. Because it's very tedious and it doesn't make any sense to do that. And the stages would have been way more simple if they just let you find them all at a time. And even then, they wouldn't have been good, but at least they wouldn't have been worse than Sonic Adventure 1. And the computer monitors that are spread around the stages to give you hints. dumb hints aren't actually helpful. The hints aren't helpful at all. Uh-huh. So it's super slow. And then at the end, the stages are so big. They're gigantic. They're way too big. So it takes like a half hour to beat some of these later Knuckles stages. And it's really, really insufferable. And I don't like it at all. <laughs> Yeah, I haven't played that game since it was new, but I do remember taking like 30 to 40 minutes on a lot of them. It was yeah. just nightmares. I never I never crossed 30, thankfully, because I just got lucky. I think, oh, I was reading a walkthrough and had videos up. Oh, jeez. But I think, I, think the, I think the places are randomized. Yeah, they're randomized though. every time. So you can't oh. actually know where things are. I believe they're also randomized per life. Yeah, they are. Oh, my God. They are God. randomized per life. <laughs> So one time I died near the end of one of those stages and it was the most insulting, awful feeling. And I put the game down for a while. And I actually not? got back. So there's a school shooting at my camp college. Oh, um, by the way. Oh, by yeah. the way. No, this is relevant. And um, so I was having a bit of a rough week at that point, And this was before the wedding. And I got home and I was like, all right, I just need to do anything to not think about this for a little while not be thinking about my mortality. And then I turned it on, and I'd quit on a knuckle stage. Oh, <laughs> God. So this one little solace I had in this pretty dreary afternoon ripped away from me by Knuckles the Echidna. Oh. <laughs> Thank you, Sonic team. God. <laughs> and I beat it anyway, and it was boring. Um, then the Sonic stages are really fun, and there's a good number of them. Um, maybe six or seven, yeah, five or six. I think there's six. Okay, cool. But it's not as many as in the first game. No, because there's, there's ten in the first. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> and the tails levels felt pretty resource intensive. It seemed like they had to take some time to put those together. So it would have been nice if they just cut out like four of those and <laughs> added another Sonic stage. <laughs> um, and then you get to the end and you have a race with Shadow and a, um, it's cool. You and Faker. <laughs> you faker. I am the chaos control. 
Okay, let's take a second. Nux Shadow is the most juvenile and try-hard, dark version of main character I've ever seen in my life. Oh, yeah. Like, base from Mega Man. Um, and even then, Proto Man was basically like Mega Man's alternate in the third game. And then they added base later on to be a darker rival. I mean, and then Sonic Knuckles. 3 has Knuckles, who's yeah. like Sonic's <laughs> rival in person. But then, like, that's not dark enough. We need to introduce Shadow, who's like a top-secret military project or and something. His name is Shadow. His Shadow. Oh, God. So and that doesn't hit critical mass until later with, like, the game and everything. Um, so Shadow's dumb. <laughs> dumb. And then Rouge the Bat. Oh. <laughs> so this is like structurally, you know, you play the hero side, which is uh, Knuckles, Tails. I don't, don't want to talk about um, her levels yet, just her design. Well, I was going like, to say that, like, structurally, you know, you have the good side and the bad side, which is uh, Robotnik, uh, Shadow, and Rouge the Bat. Uh-huh. But and um, they all play the same as yeah. Eggman plays the same as Tails, Shadow plays the same as Sonic, and Rouge plays the same as Knuckles. And she has just as many stages, and they're just as long and insulting. There's um, one in particular. Um, there's on one that's timed. Yep. You have five minutes. Yep. And then there's one oh, that's wow. just really long at the end. And they're both ins- equally aggravating. Um, Does Knuckles have one that's kind of like Sonic, or... Like Mario Galaxy. Yeah, kind of he does. Or maybe that's Rouge. It's one of them where they're going around spherical planetoids, but it's a Knuckles level, so it's not. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, and the physics don't make as much sense as Mario Galaxy. Naturally. <laughs> so Sonic Adventure Two, the yeah, that the good guy route is pretty good. Well, the good guy route is okay because it has a lot of Sonic stages. The evil route doesn't have a shadow stage until like four levels in yeah and it has like one more before the last two levels mm-hmm. there are barely any shadow levels in the entire evil route These and slow it's ass trudge oh god they're you're so just playing bad eggman level after eggman level and it's so boring and then you're playing rouges and they're even worse mm-hmm. and rouges character design i didn't really want to i didn't really say anything at first because i know a lot of people who really like her character on twitter um, for reasonings of sexual awakenings early on, or like oh. recognize that oh, I w- I'm actually gay because I like Rouge a lot, and so I hated shitting on her for that because a lot of people she was obviously important to them, right? But just on her own in a vacuum, that character is a really weird design for a Sonic game. And Anna walked in and was I felt really embarrassed because <laughs> it got the big bouncy boobs and eyeshadow and the bat and like the 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 (laughs) sultry voice trying Uh to trying to you know give knuckles a big old heart on Uh uh-huh and also she falls into a pit at the end she almost falls and knuckles saves her but she's a bat yeah she has wings she can literally fly Mm -hmm. what she's been flying in gameplay (laughs) they needed to create craft a scenario where the threat wasn't Rouge falling to her death. They couldn't do that. They couldn't think of anything other than her falling. And Knuckles and Rouge could have just been excised from the game and it wouldn't have made any difference to the story. 
The story is okay. Um, I didn't like it as much as the first games, but it kind of works. So self, it's so self-goddamn serious. That's the thing. It's really self-serious and it's really self-important. And then you get to the big over-the-top climax, and it's it's pretty fun. And you fight an interesting boss with Shadow, and then you get the Chaos Emeralds, and it plays the main title theme, and they <laughs> crash pans and go, and it's going, live and learn! And you're blasting in space, and the space butt plug lizard is shooting at you, and it's all epic and awesome and cool. Space, space butt plug wizard? Lizard. Look at, a, look at a video of it, and I think you'll see what I mean. Well, I've played the game, it's just... The space thing, the, really... I, I read that on Merit Copas's Twitter. She said before I played the game, and she said, um, "Just remembering that the final boss of Sonic Adventure Two was a giant space station butt plug lizard." Wow! And I played it, and I was like, "Yep, that is it." But it's a it's a cool fight. It's all epic and big and cool and awesome. And then it ends, and Shadow sacrifices himself, and. He dies. He totally dies. Yep. He, and then, he totally dies, and we never saw him again. Never, ever again. They knew his arc was over and didn't put him in later games. Yep, just like they left Rouge alone. Decided an interesting amount of restraint. An interesting amount of restraint on Sega's behalf for not trying to bring that character back and do anything of substance with him. I know. Yeah. Just, it was also nice that they didn't make any more Sonic games until Sonic Unleashed, which I know was a misstep, but it led into Sonic Colors, so that was good. <laughs> um... So I was using all those big words because the fight, it, it's such a cool moment if I was 13. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I was 13, I would just have a, just be so over, so all over Sonic Adventure 2. It'd be like, whoa, God, guys, you gotta see this. this. is the coolest thing ever. And it plays the title screen theme, and it's so awesome and rad. And <sighs> it was kind of disappointing because it was like, I, and I had that reaction at first. It took like two days to sink in and be like, Actually, maybe cartoon hedgehogs <laughs> saving the world through rock music and grasping hands isn't the coolest thing in the world. And that was sort of a death childhood moment, I think. Oh, But I, I, I kept thinking, like, you know, Hunters has a big over-the-top conclusion, and I like that a lot more. <laughs> um... I was comparing a lot of games to Hunters this week. Heavily yeah. inspired. It was pretty funny. Um, I didn't have a rock so, band, though. Unfortunately. So Sonic Adventure 2 is... It plays so much better. And the Sonic, Sonic levels are really fun. I think they're really, really fucking fun. I had a blast with them. But they're like... I don't know, a third of the game. And the fact that the Sonic levels are so good... Is part of what makes the fact that it doesn't spend enough time with them really bad. They're also much shorter uh, They're than much the Sonic shorter. stages in uh, Sonic Adventure 1 as well. Sonic Adventure 1, the, the Sonic stages weren't very good, so everything else didn't feel like filler, is what I'm saying. So the fact that Sonic Adventure 2 has really good Sonic stages makes the other stages feel more like padding. Because they are. I mean, obviously. They're in place because the Sonic stages take a long time to make, and they have to have other things to fill up time. It's, it's the same reason that they couldn't have made an entire game of, like, speed stages in Sonic Unleashed, because those were really impressive, 
but it clearly took a lot to generate those kinds of assets, which is why they needed another hook for the dumb werehog thing. And there's no... And there's no way Sega feels like they could get away with releasing a 45-minute-long Sonic game that's just basically like a shmup. You're just playing through the big Sonic stages, and you get great at the end of every level, and then you go to the next one, and then you get good at, really, really good at it. And right. you try to beat it in one yeah. credit. You try to get high scores and tweak your ranking and chain multipliers together <laughs> and just play the one good section over and over and over again. You could only is, do that as a downloadable. And the that is what it would take to make the Sonic Adventure 2 format good. Yeah. And that's basically what Generations did, right? Yeah. Pretty much. But pretty it, was much. Like, it was a very feature-rich, full-featured game that... Exactly. And it, it, added, everything. it added all those like little missions on the side that felt natural. They were... It was... I yeah. wanted to replay the stages anyway because they were so good. And well, I like the I like the the generation side missions. It's like I'm usually the last person to fart mm-hmm. around with side missions, but I I did my damnedest to try and 100% all the side missions in that game because I think that they, most of them were pretty damn good. They offer interesting uh you know, it's just like it's not it, it, the levels are built more from building blocks. You can tell this time around. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. So it was clearly easier for them to create more stages in the theme of the world you were in. Uh-huh. So, so it wasn't just you in the same stage as a different character trying to accomplish a different goal. It was, you know, new stages. Uh, you know, And they were a lot more brief than your first run through of the stage as Sonic would be. Uh, but exactly. They, uh, but they offered fun little asides uh, and things to do and new characters and abilities to play with that didn't feel shoehorned in. They were tactful, I think. Right, right. I think that was a very tactful way to make Sonic Generations a 10-hour game, which is what they want, obviously. So I think that's where they kind of nailed what they were going for with Sonic Adventure 2. Or it would have been if they'd made the boss final boss yeah. fight good. Yeah. <laughs> like, so- Sonic Unleashed and Colors have, like, pretty serviceable, like, endings, right? I haven't beaten either of them. Oh, yeah, they're satisfying. Yeah. Cool. So basically, Sonic Generations, but with that, is basically my perfect modern Sonic game. Um, or going like really weird and conceptual into something different, but whatever. Got so it. Sonic Adventure Two, it let go of all the weirdness of Sonic Adventure One, and just kind of was this marketing. It was it made a lot more. It ma- Sonic Adventure Two makes a lot more sense than Sonic Adventure One, and is worse for it. I think is yeah. my logic. Yeah. I, There's I, just I, too much filler. Yeah, like, it, and that's it's a lot of it. I don't think there's any. When you're just playing, I don't think of the mandatory content of Sonic Adventure 1, I don't really think there's any filler because none of it is good, so all of it is <laughs> the same. So none of it feels like filler. And anything that could be classified as filler is usually fairly short. Yeah, and even Big the Cat story is kind of neat because... It's only like it's three a, stages, I think. It's three stages, and it's a complete outsider's perspective. He's just... He pops in. He only see him once in any of the other stage routes. So he just is like, hello, random guy. But then you – and pops in and then leaves in Sonic stage and then you play his route and it's like, oh, he had a reason to be there. And it's kind of cute. Um, I'm glad they didn't have more characters like that. But having him on his own was kind of cute and I don't really think it was um, – uh, I had a guy on Twitter tell me that it was because they, the Dreamcast had a fishing attachment. <laughs> yeah. So um, they wanted to have a fishing mini game. Sega Bass Fishing. So yeah, Sonic Adventure 1 I wound up liking, and Sonic Adventure 2 I wound up disliking, even though it was a lot more mechanically refined. 
because even the Tails levels play better than the Gamma levels, and Knuckles levels, I don't know, they're bad. <laughs> and Space, Space Station Butt Plug Lizard is cool <laughs> if you're going into it with a really kind of that's simple official, mindset. That's the official Japanese translation, by the way. Space Station Butt Plug Lizard. Yeah. And I, I went in, I really enjoyed that on a visceral level because I am super into dumb things like some other games I played this week and Pacific Rim and just like being blown over with dumb spectacle is totally my jam. Um, I think the final boss is fine. I mean, it's yeah. really stupid. It's the, it's hedgehogs going super Saiyan. Yeah. Yeah, which is every Sonic game. So, yeah, the, the, the final boss is fine. It's a perfect climax to what Sonic Adventure 2 is, and I'm not sure I like what Sonic Adventure 2 is very much. Um, I've noticed that's, people on the internet really like Sonic Adventure 2. I they don't do. understand it. You know what my theory is? I follow is? a bunch of people who like Sonic Adventure 2. Yeah? My theory is that Sonic Adventure 2 came out on GameCube first. So, that's a good point. Yeah. Mm. Most people didn't have a Dreamcast, so Sonic Adventure 2 got ported to Dreamcast first, and then Sonic Adventure 1 came out later as DX. Yeah. So I I think if you play 2 and then 1, 1 is going to seem even more mechanically broken. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Even if I think it's a much more, like, full experience. Because Sonic Adventure 2... The Sonic stages are just even worse. Like, it might be harder to go back. So... Yeah, those are the Sonic Adventure games. I had a rewarding time playing through both of them. If I'm going to revisit either of them for any reason, it's probably just going to be replaying some of the Sonic stages in 2. I want you to play Sonic 06. Um, <laughs> if I play, if I'm going to, I definitely want to go back and finish Colors, because I think that game... Do you game have an is, Xbox 360? Uh, my brother does. Oh, I was going to send you my copy to borrow. And hey, Polly. Yeah. yeah. I have a PS3. I could play it. I have. I, have th- I only have it for 360. Aw. The PS3 version is actually worse. Oh, great. <laughs> Ooh. There's actually a worse version of Sonic it, 6. It, the loading is longer. Uh, a oh. lot of a lot of graphical <laughs> assets like had to be cut from it. So there are certain parts <laughs> of stages that just look completely undone. What? That's beautiful. Oh, that's right. Didn't it come out a few months later? Yeah, it came out later. Oh, oh my god, I forgot funny. about that. So those oh, those are the three. I'll definitely go back and play Colors because that game is good. Yeah, I'll probably yes. play a gener- I, I beat all of Generations, so it'll be a while before I want to go back to that one. Um, it's really good go though. Generations, yeah, yeah. I, even I've good. been even I've been getting an itch lately to just go through Generations again and might just and do that. and if I'm finished with those games and feel good about it, I'll probably go back and play go and play Unleashed. Because I know the, there's a lot of filler in that game, but um, there's a lot I've of really... filler in that game. But ultimately, I think that game is all right. Yeah, because uh, the Sonic the, the, stages are so the, good. Oh, God, they're so good. And, like, I, I know it's going to be dumb and another dumb tangent, but, like, the, the last area of that game... Eggman uh, Land? Yeah. It I integra- watched the clip. It looks it, so good. It integrates, like, the werehog and the speed, like, into one stage, and this and it's this big fucking sprawling level, and it's just like, why couldn't the entire game have just been, like, all right... I'm gonna run through this portion of the stage, and then we're like, "All right, gotta beat some dudes up. Let's switch to Werehog." It's like, why couldn't the game do that more? Oh, because you mean that they they really do just split it up into different? Yeah, levels? it's that Eggman, La- Eggman Land is the only part of the game where the two intertwine, and it's just such a bummer. Oh, 
okay. Well, I'll still play Unleashed probably at some point and then probably enjoy myself. Um, and I hope they make another game in the Generations format at some point. Maybe one that is kind of tells a dumb – tells a Saturday morning cartoon story well and the levels kind of flow together in a nice way. Or better yet, make a Sonic game that is just an hour long and have like little short silent cutscenes like Sonic 3 and Knuckles and then have it like tell a nice story like that game does and just have an hour long game that's really good. Oh, oh yeah. <laughs> that just sounds really nice. So after playing Sonic Adventure 2 and thinking like, oh, I guess I don't like dumb games anymore, I played um, a different game. I played Metal Gear Rising Revengeance. And then I was like... You played the best dumb game ever. I guess my inner 13-year-old is still alive. <laughs> and that makes me really, really happy. Oh, my Metal God. Gear Rising is amazing. It is... <laughs> It's, oh my god. You know, Metal Gear Rising can only be summed up in, like, utterances like... Because <laughs> it just makes you feel such fucking glee. Oh my god. Glee intensifies. So glee intensifies. Oh my god. Revenge, it's- and even the title is so good. Uh, imagine if it had been Metal Gear Rising Revenge, or Metal Gear Rising Vengeance. That's not or just that's Metal Gear Rising. Like that's not it, insane enough. That does not properly convey just the absurdity of this game. Let's create hey, a I word. Was playing, I was playing Revenge the other day. What? I was playing Vengeance the other day. I was playing Revengeance the other day. Boners Boom. pop up all around where you. Everyone popping. knows what you're talking about, and everyone has played it. It's like, oh, really? So, okay, Metal Gear Rising: Revengeance. It is a platinum game. It is the first platinum game that I have played besides about five minutes of Beautiful Joe that I thoroughly enjoyed. Um, and it is just really, it's, really rad. It's, yeah, all right. It, yeah. It, it's an over-the-top character action game in the vein of sort of like Devil May Cry, just to sort of give yeah. like the basic setup. But Yeah, yeah it, this made me want to go back and play Devil May Cry since it's um, you, the it, plat- big platinum games guy and I haven't played them. It won't uh, feel the same because Devil May Cry is really not quite as refined as games like Vanquish or um, oh, obviously, yeah. But oh, God. that'd be a historical thing. I want to see like where this stuff came from. But I also want to play Vanquished, and I want to hear so I can play both of the Bayonettas and Wonderful One Hundred One. But basically, when the Rising Revengeance, you have a sword, and there's a bunch of enemies, and then big spectacle boss fights, and a ridiculous, amazing story. Oh, and God. It's so good. So, so here, all right, here's the gimmick of the fight, fighting. You can slash people up with your sword, and then periodically you can, and at any time you can go into blade mode where you're given full control of where your sword is about to slash. And once you've made enemies sufficiently vulnerable, slashing your sword will make them fall to pieces in real time in the exact directions and pieces that you're slicing. And then you grab their fucking spine out. And, and if you hit the right it. spot, then you can grab their mechanical spines and yank them out, and you can gain health that way. And it feels good every time. Oh. <laughs> it's such a satisfying mechanic, because you think that every time you do this, you get full blade mode and full health recovery. And you can do this, like, 
as many as five and six times during each battle segment. And it's so crazy because you think, well, that's just going to make you crazy overpowered. How is anything ever going to kill you? And what I think is so damn smart about this game and why it's so well designed is that it gives you access to a mechanic that is that broken and still manages to make a very challenging and fulfilling and rewarding game with it. Exactly. And the very first level, there's like, I don't know, like two minutes or 60 seconds of fighting people, just kind of sponges to teach you how to slash your sword. And then they then they just drop a Metal Gear ray in front of you. And it's yeah. like, all right, go to town. And then you shoot the ray and beat up the ray and then slice off its arm by run, by flipping it with grabbing its sword and flipping it over <laughs> and then running up inside and slash, 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 slash. And then they introduce, they have blade mode. And so instead of quick time events for a lot of it, for your big awesome moments, instead of relying on that, you just go into blade mode, and that's an actual mechanic in the game. So they can have this thing that feels awesome that fits into so many different situations that is actually just this built-in mechanic. Yeah. And, and it, it works so well. And it's not just a dumb quick time event where you mash a button and you do it. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's actually, you know, like you said, it's using the game's own mechanics and you still you know, you still get to feel like you're connected to the action. Exactly. So even when there are quick time events, they're always leading into a blade mode segment. Yeah. And in really tactful ways. And then you walk around and it's like, oh, I beat the ray. And then it jumps down in front of you and starts firing missiles and hellfire springing up around you. And the music's really intense. This and is the first be- ten minutes of the game. <laughs> and you're beating it up and then you slash out missiles in midair with your blade mode. Because you can slash missiles in midair with your blade mode. Yes, you can. <sighs> And then you, then the ray jumps out and starts firing missiles at you. And then the vocals come in on the music at just the right time. And it's like, rules of night. I can't do it. And then you <laughs> jump on the missiles and run along the missiles and slash its other arm off with like a big detailed thing. And then it grabs you and it's, it falls down and you're, the fight's over. And then it doesn't. And then it grabs you in its teeth and flings up to the top of a clock tower and starts shooting missiles and a giant laser beam at you as you're running down the clock tower. And the top of the clock tower is falling down on top of you and you're running around lasers. And then you stab the sword into the ray <laughs> and run down its back. And then you land on the, th- the ground, put your sword away, and then it splits in half onto the ground. And then right at the right moment, the ranking screen pops up. It's- and the music stops. First 10 minutes of the game. First 10 and, minutes. And yes, it gets crazier than that. Oh. oh. So I just oh, like I went around for my whole reception. I was showing people videos of that fight. <laughs> what? <laughs> like I have a guy whose favorite video game is Metal Gear Solid 2 and a cousin. And I was like, hey, come take a look at this. <laughs> Brought it up on my phone. I was like... He's like, oh, that's just a quick time event. And I said, no, you're actually running down the clock tower yourself. Oh. Yeah, uh, you can fuck that up, too. I have. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he was blown away, and William was like, well, it's dumb. My brother William was like, well, it's called Revengeance. That's dumb. And I was like, I'm like, you know you're what? Dumb. You're dumb. <laughs> you're two years younger than me. How is your inner 13-year-old already dead? Yeah, cut cut Jerk. the crap. Cut the crap. You know you had a boner watching this. Yeah, he liked his. He was the one who was like crazy about God of War too. God of War as well. All of them. Well, how especially can, two. How can well, you appreciate those games and not look at this, which is like like God of War, except where the bits that aren't 
except that it's actually fun to play. Yeah, it's it's succinct. It's very... Mm-hmm. And that's the thing that I really like about Revengeance, is that a lot of these character action games, they go a little overboard with systems, I think, and, like, the combat... Like, I, I like depth in combat, but sometimes, like, even Bayonetta can feel like there's just a little too much going on sometimes, or there's just, uh-huh. like, so many combos to learn. Um, but... Everything sort of just combos into everything in Revengeance. And, uh-huh. and, and it always feels smooth. And then, of course, the, the utterly broken parry system, which, you know, it, it gives you but instant it's blade. In a, like, it, smart way? Yeah, it's, it's not super easy to do, despite the fact that it sounds easy to do, because all you have to do to activate a parry is just direction where the attack is coming from and press your light attack button. And depending on your timing, you'll either block the attack or you'll parry it, and if you parry it, you get instant fucking blade mode to go absolutely crazy. And it's so rewarding to learn that, and to learn the timing of each enemy, it it just feels so good. And, yeah, and I was just moving along, playing the game, and loving every second of it, and then I got to the monsoon fight, and... Ooh. And I didn't know about health-regenerating items at this point. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't just use it. I didn't bother using I didn't them. Use them. Like I until knew until the end of the game. I, I didn't notice that they were being put into my inventory until like chapter four or five, and by then it was just like, well, I kind of like this game, you know, punishing me, and I, I like the difficulty yeah. where it's at. So I didn't really feel the need to use the health regen items. Yeah, and I, I um, didn't use them until the very end with that fight, and it was mostly because yeah. I was kind of in a hurry to beat the game so that I could go do something <clears throat> go do something with Anna. And it's a um, bit of a gimmick that you have to learn. Um, yeah, exactly. And the monsoon fight, I spent probably like 45 minutes or so kind of learning the ins and outs of that fight. Mm-hmm. And it was so fun. It was so rewarding. All right, let me tell you about this. Revengeance is a game where the entire game is built around slicing people into tiny pieces. There's a boss whose body is split into, like, 20 different pieces that are connected with magnets, and you can manipulate that at will. So you try to slice him in half, and his body just splits in half, and your blade goes through uselessly. Mm -hmm. And then you try to slash him across the side, and then his body just splits across the middle, and your blade just slides through. And you have to, like, figure out how to make him vulnerable. But that that just that visual gimmick is so funny and awesome in the con and fits with Raiden's uh, ability set so naturally. Yeah, it's just everything is, is is really built well around the slicing mechanic, using the parry, and uh, just being really good at dodging and knowing when to take your shots. I know, and the music every single time the music mm. is building intensity just perfectly. Every time. It just keeps escalating as the boss fight goes on. Oh. And when you're in that final stretch of the boss fight, like, the guitars are wailing, the lyrics are going. It's just, it's so damn climactic and cinematic mm-hmm. in a way that, like, games that are supposed to make you feel like a badass, like, I don't think, I can't think of another game that that accomplishes that as well as Revengeance. Yeah, exactly. It's and the then best. the actual story bits... Oh between my every level god it's so funny because basically um revengeance is a macho power fantasy just like all the other games but instead of going to beat up like black people because they murdered your wife 
or whatever happens in the Call of Duties and the Gears of Wars and the whatevers. <laughs> um, you're like beating up cops and sen- and Republican senators because they're exploiting children abroad. Yeah, it's it's a really fucked up story. <laughs> And uh, so there are senators who are literally like taking out children's brains so that they can turn them into cyborg super soldiers. And it's actually legal because Mm -hmm. of some weird tweak of the system that they can import these brains legally, even if they're extracted extracted illegally abroad. Mm -hmm. So what happens in in reality when Republican senators do fucked up things and I hear about it, um, I can't really do much about that except complain on the internet and hopefully like do something like vote and do other things later on in revengeance when i hear about it i go to chicago or wherever and just slice my way up the guy's <laughs> building and then fucking murder him. <laughs> and oh the cops get in the way we'll kill them too Fuck it. and in light and in light of some of the recent events <laughs> hey playing playing revengeance and just being like, oh, if I need to murder some cops to save these kids, oh. can do. It's a, it's a damn good release. It's so it's a dumb macho power fantasy, but it's a dumb macho power fantasy that's aimed at the right target. Pretty at the right targets. <laughs> so as that, it's a well-intentioned male power fantasy. Exactly. So. And then the big final boss guy was just a senator, and he comes out, and he's like, I used to play football, you know, and not at one of those pansy-ass Ivy League schools either. And then kicks you and goes, (laughs) University of Texas. (laughs) (laughs) Nanomachine, son. Nanomachine, son. I need capital and votes. And he's, like, wanting to create this libertarian paradise where there's no government and all the strong people just beat up and steal from the weak people <laughs> and it's just like alright this guy is Ayn Rand and and um, Rand Paul and all of those guys just rolled <laughs> up guy, into this, one this guy is Gamergate this guy oh. is Gamergate this guy is everything and I just want to fucking kill you <laughs> and then you do and you beat him to pieces and it's really a long fight and then you stick your hand into his chest and tear out his heart and crush it in your hands. I think, oh. I think John about nailed it. <laughs> oh. This is that, That's basically when I was playing through the game the first time. That's, that's mm-hmm. what I sounded like the whole time playing it. Like, I was literally <laughs> shouting at my TV with glee and just like, fuck yeah! Every time I did something so awesome. Just I, like... Just yeah, and the political context gave it a lot of added a lot of catharsis considering recent events. Mm-hmm. And I found it very very enjoyable to play, even if I felt a little guilty for how much I enjoyed it. <laughs> um, it's and the game. Food the game the has ice. some of that. It's like um, where there's one scene where you have to slice up the cops, and then they're like. You can hear their thoughts, and they're thinking, "I have a family and stuff like that." Yeah, it's like it's like a whole. Can't you just let me kill cops and not feel bad let about me it? Just kill the cops without conscience. Come on. Aww. Okay, and I guess in a vacuum, um, the game telling me that murdering a bunch of people indiscriminately isn't is a bad <laughs> thing. 
is probably for the best. But in that con- in the context of which I was enjoying it, it was kind of a downer. But you still get to go and beat up the football player, and it was all pretty enjoyable. Everything about that game feels so good. Oh my god. Every time oh, yeah. I talk about this game, I always want to go play it again. <laughs> and I recently played through this game again on hard. Uh, That's right, you did oh. a couple episodes ago. Yeah, I, yeah. Get, I get excited talking about Revengeance the same way I get excited talking about Tangled. Um, <laughs> okay. Just like knowing about some abusive moms mm-hmm. and then watching Tangled and then it's just this pitch perfect abusive mom throughout the whole movie. And you know what happens at the end of Tangled? She tur- she falls out of a tower and turns to ash and I'm dies. On board with that. I'm on board with that. Great. Oh. Hey, Red, what did you think of Revengeance? I liked it. <laughs> I liked it. it Maybe good. not as much as John. Really? Oh, my God, that game well, he just... sounds like he's going to freaking blow a load in his pants or something. You didn't when you were playing it? Honestly, be I honest. I was bad at it. Oh, I never oh. quite got the parry. Oh, that's a bummer, because that, like, getting good with the parry is, like, when I started doing that a few chapters in is when it really started to click for me, because I was totally on board with just how absurd and crazy it was just from the opening. But when I started understanding the mechanics more and and, and being able to exploit enemies' weaknesses faster and get around the battlefield in a way that was just so slick and ninja-like and and lightning-like in the way that you're supposed to be, it's just... It, it all came together so beautifully. I do love, though, how you're this insane, badass cyborg ninja the entire game, and then you reach the final boss, and it's just like a guy, and he starts punching you. Yeah. <laughs> and he, like, kicks the crap out of you <laughs> at point zero one percent health or whatever. Yeah. Like, flailing your sword trying to punch him. The, the tricks they pull with the health bars in that fight are really yeah. funny. They so were good. really well. He's at 200%. Like, it's a <laughs> It's so dumb. It's so good, though. Oh, my God. And also, like, how the craziest thing in the whole game is probably actually that speech he gives about his politics. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like that moment. It's just like, I, I want to I throw up a link to that speech just because it's yeah. just so, like, it's so fucking out there. But it's just like, yeah, this. Kind of grounded in some real yeah. life stuff. It's like, I see where that <laughs> came from. Yeah, it's hard. You're like, oh, geez. Yeah, I bet there's probably a lot of people who are working on this game who are watching CNN and being like, these fucking Americans. (laughs) People are fucking crazy. Oh, my God. (laughs) Isn't there also, like, a pretty strong conservative um, stretch in in Japan light right now? Like, a bunch of people were really pissed about Miyazaki's movie because it insinuated that Japan might have been not been 100% in the right during World War II. Uh-huh. And a bunch Jeez. of people were really pissed about it. Yeah. So, you know what? There, that might have come from some frustration in Japan, as in Japanese politics as well. Mm. So, there's a very real heart to Revengeance, and it's, and it's still a dumb power fantasy, but it's probably the best one that I can think of. Yeah, yeah. as much as I love Devil May Cry 3, I, I, I still think that that's sort of like the pinnacle of those kinds of games for me. It's like Revengeance, I think, really just kind of edges it out as just a complete package. Yeah, I feel like there's probably combat systems and that kind of a combat system that I would like more. But just as a complete package, Revengeance just really works for me. Yeah, Revengeance feels different from like the Devil May Cry's and the Bayonetta's and the others. 
where it's so much based on the parry. Yeah. Like, you mm-hmm. don't have to do combos. You don't have to use the alternate weapons. You're not juggling and mixing up things. You're just slicing dudes in half. And, and, and yeah, the fact the ability, that you can't switch weapons dynamically kind of affects that game a lot. The ability or, to engage in, like, these big-ass hit combos and stuff, it's still there. But if you really just want to engage with the parry system, like, you don't yeah. have to engage with the parry system. Like, if you're playing on normal difficulty or so... I would highly suggest learning to parry if you're going to bump yeah. up the difficulty, though, because things do get way rougher. Um, I never quite got the difference between the parry and the blocking really it, figured out. I was just kind timing. of going at it. It's just timing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like if you – it just depends on, like, what frame of animation the enemy is in when you go for the parry. Like, if you're too early, you'll just block. Uh, and if you're just in the right sweet spot, you'll parry it, knock it away, and go into blade mode instantly. Well, that's so nice. And every yeah, every really every enemy game. and every enemy has different timing, and they have multiple attacks, so it, it can be hard to learn to read those sometimes. But you know, a little bit of grinding it out, it won't hurt. Oh you. yeah, absolutely. And it's just so fun to play that it never feels like grinding it out. Right, right. The stealth kills are really, really funny oh because you're like, oh, I'm playing Metal Gear. I'm sneaking up behind a person, and then you stab them, chop them up, reach in, grab the spines, grab it. <laughs> I just I always and thought it was really funny that that game has stealth elements and that oh but 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 you're in alert mode 99% of the time. The game even stops like chiding you for getting caught halfway yeah, through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just like oh, fuck yeah. it, just kill everybody you can. <laughs> yep. So that's yeah, that's that was basically my experience with Revengeance. It is like the ultimate liberal righteous guy fan. Um, power fantasy. <laughs> it's it's so good. Everybody needs oh to God. play Revengeance. If you listen to this podcast, you know by now that you need to play Revengeance. Like I think mm-hmm. we've we've talked it up so much. And, yeah. and and if John's impassioned speech did not <laughs> convince you, like wh- what are you even listening for? Oh my god, if you played every game I gave an impassioned speech about on this <laughs> podcast, then You'd be playing Sonic Adventure One. I will. I will only stand. Was that, a, was that a impassioned speech though? With Sonic uh, Adventure One? I'm kidding. That was like a. That was. Well, it's not fun to play for all of it, and the <laughs> that was more of, really. That was, that's more of a feel good incorporated. But there's the nothing about it that's actually good. But little pink bird. <laughs> yeah, that part. That part. <laughs> that was an impassioned speech about little pink bird. I have a question about Revengeance, but more the Metal Gear series as a whole. Was Jack the Ripper ever hinted at? Oh uh, yeah, at, um, as an alternate personality or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Oh. he was. Known, was he? He was known as Jack the Ripper uh, when they went into his background story in Metal Gear Solid Two. Yeah, uh, they mentioned that, but like having it as like this. As an alternate personality like or something like that, version. It, it's it's what he was known as when he was a child soldier. Mm-hmm. It was a little weird, but it, it was pretty funny too. Pla- Platinum, had- admittedly, th- th- they play around with the story canon a little bit, but at the same time, you know, it just, who really it, cares? It, it, who really cares? It works for what it is. The story that yeah. they tell is a really good one-off story, even if you're not familiar with Metal Gear. Yeah, yeah. Plus, it, um, I haven't, I haven't played any of the Metal Gear games pretty much, so I and I was able to follow the story in this perfectly fine. But that Jack the Ripper part came out of freaking nowhere. I'm just like, oh, okay, he's kind of crazy now. Let her rip. 
Yeah. <laughs> I think they. I think that was just there so that you could be like, all right, it makes sense that this character is murdering people for it's the rest like, of the Oh, game. I need a devil trigger mode. What do we call it? Yeah. <laughs> and then they just introduce it with that monsoon fight. Mm-hmm. I do so, love that. Yeah. Jack the Ripper mode, and then you go in and kill, like, three of those huge walking mechs in, like, two slices. So good. Oh. It's really strong. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's so funny. God damn it. All right, so Revengeance is... I, I, I said this on Twitter. That was, like, Journey is better at feeling, giving you a sense of speed going down a mountain and feeling fluid than Sonic Sonic Adventure 2 is and then Revengeance is better at being the dumb anime game yeah. that Sonic Adventure 2 is <laughs> so basically yeah what if you could combine them have a Sonic game with a sword hey now that sounds uh, like that. that's pretty dumb They would, yeah they wouldn't do that what if you did like motion controls too I mean, think well, about I, it. It's I a sword. I never hear anybody talking about those two Wii games. Yeah, it's they a sword. Like, they just completely vanished from our timeline, I think. There's some yes. other timeline where, like, Sonic and the Secret Rings and Sonic and the Black Knight are, like, renowned as great Sonic games. And then, Rhett, and don't you own both of those? Vanished. I played Secret Rings and thought it was fine. I never played Black Knight. Mm. They're probably fine. Like, after Sonic 06, they probably were, like, oh, this is a lot better, but, like... Maybe I'll hit you up to let me borrow that sometime. I think Secret Rings actually stole staff from 06. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, because they were because they couldn't port 06 to the Wii. Yeah, and then so the they Wii had started make... selling like millions and millions of units, and they're like, "We need a Sonic on there." Yeah. Yep. Exactly. So yeah. So it's I the reason Secret Rings was actually my first 3D Sonic game. I played it when I was like. Oh god. However old I was when the Wii came out, so like I was three. Fourteen. No, so like <laughs> twelve. Um And yeah, even at the time I was like, well, this is a game. Yeah. Why? Didn't beat it. I think it has a dumb last boss, kinda like. In a three D Sonic game? Yeah. A dumb last no. boss in a three D Sonic game. Rat are you it's out like of your it- fucking mind? It's like a purple genie, kind of like the end of Generations or something. <laughs> oh, God. Because like, they just do the same shit over and over. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, all right, so probably... Pro- and uh, so let, do you want to move on from Revengeance? Yeah, I think that we've, yeah. uh, I think we've covered it. Cool. All right, there's two short games I played that I, neither of you played that I'll just mention. Mm-hmm. Um, I played Worm Journey to the Center of the Earth for the NES and it's a mixture of like a bunch of different gameplay modes, kind of like that um, Billy G game. Um, and it's not very good. Um, Fresno recommended it to me because it was a moment where it turns out that you murdered someone you like, and it was actually their brain in a cyborg, and you killed them. And oh no! What? The and the rest. <laughs> okay. And wow. the rest of the game is bad. Um, and then I also played Framed for the I- for iPhone. Mm-hmm. Um, Zoe Quinn worked on it, and it's a really cool cute little cool gimmick um it didn't really click for me because it never felt like more than just kind of a set of puzzles that just linked together oh so like just the gimmick is all that's there and it didn't really pay off anyway i think so yeah i think there's a story there and i think uh, it might resonate with other people but for me it was just like well some stuff happened and this was some neat puzzles and then it doesn't help that at the end of the game it loops back to the start of the game and i played for like five minutes before realizing wait wait what (laughs) What happened? 
So I had to go online and look up a playthrough to make sure that I didn't, like, that I had actually just looped back to the start. Oh, weird. And I was like, oh, that was the ending. Okay. Cool. Um, I think Kojima actually called that his game of the year. Yeah, he said that was his game of the year. <laughs> no. Well, it has great sound design, and it looks really slick, and the way it's executed is great. I just wish that they had um, kind of make it come together as a complete whole. Hmm. It's, it's the opposite of Sonic Adventure, where every little <laughs> individual piece is perfect. And then it just doesn't really make any sense as a whole thing. Um, so I played that game. And then I played a game I was thinking might have been my favorite game that I played in the last two, or two, two and a half weeks. But Lovely. Revengeance uh-huh. was really good. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, right, but- if, if you can't give a speech on this next game that is on the same level as that Revengeance <laughs> speech, I think you got to back down from that claim, mister. Okay, I probably can't. It... <sighs> It probably has a little bit more of an artistic like conscience than Revengeance because Revengeance is just whole hog power fantasy game. Oh, yeah. I played Ebe for PC. Ebe. Um, it is an RPG maker horror game, and it's about two hours long. And I thought it was absolutely fantastic. I actually downloaded this. Um, I do. No, I have not played it yet, though. I think it's really good, and it went way farther than I expected it to with the. Um, you're a little kid, a little girl, and you get uh, leave your parents while you're in an art gallery and just walk around talking to people and watching paintings. Mm-hmm. And you walk by this kind of creepy painting on the floor of an anglerfish um, in deep black sea, and people are talking about it, asking what it symbolizes. And you keep walking around, and then you step past this really big mural, and then you keep walking, and suddenly there's no other people there anymore. And... You're walking, and then a fruit falls out of a painting and let splatters on the ground. And you start hearing little footsteps. And you're walking around some more, and no one else is there. And a few more kind of weird things happen with the paintings. And you see bloody footsteps appear as you walked around, and it leads down into the anglerfish painting. And the little rope swing has been pulled back, so you walk down into it. And the game progresses from there. I feel like like at any moment you're going to go, boo! <laughs> and, well, that's the game. It's a horror game. Um, a big chunk of it is kind of like Resident Evil-style um, puzzles. There's no combat. Um, you kind of walk around and interact with things, and there's some really, really good jump scares and some really, really good slow build scares. Mm-hmm. And it builds up to this really satisfying conclusion. It introduces a few other characters, one of the characters is a little different from what you thought they were. And there's a really interesting last area. And then, depending on how you play the game, it splits off into like five or six different kinds of endings. Hmm. Kind of like Silent Hill 2. Ooh. And, yeah, I thought it was a very intelligent, very smartly made horror story. Yeah, I definitely... Um just reading what people had to say about it and reading the premise, yeah, it was enough to prompt me to be like, yeah, I'm, I'm interested in this. I'm definitely going to have to give it a go at some yeah. point. So it was, it was nice coming off of Sonic Adventure 1, Sonic Adventure 2, and Metal Gear Rising Revengeance because it was like, oh, yeah, games can be, like... Dark art. and moody and artful. <laughs> yeah. And <poignant>. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. And I hadn't really had much of that since the Saga game, so it was a nice kind of refresher. Uh, and I really enjoyed Ebe a lot. And, yeah, I'll consider that a tie with a vengeance for my favorite game from the last two weeks. Wow. So, game of the last two weeks. 
Um, obviously, Saga 2 is better than both of them, but never mind. Um, and then I played... I'm going to punch you. <laughs> <laughs> and then I played a whole bunch of Freedom Planet, and I'm on level 8 now, and that's where we are at this podcast. That game's pretty um, rad. Yeah, it is. Um, I, I think that it's definitely got some problems. But it took a while to grow on me. Um, it, it doesn't have the strongest start, I don't think. Yeah, um, there's and, a whole bunch of cutscenes early on. Oh my god, and the cutscenes are so insufferable. They're really long. Um, they're just they're, they're really long. They're like ten minutes long. Or there's a lot of heart in that script, and I know, and I can you can easily tell that the person that wrote this script and the people that put all of the story and characters together cared a lot. But, but but that that care and 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 loving you know amount of heart just does not mean that it's any good at all. Yeah, Gosh. it feels like a it feels like a game that a middle schooler had been dreaming up for a very long time, and then was ready to, and then actually made into a game with no restraint in how they told the story. And it's, and for the story, that's terrible. But for the yeah. gameplay itself, that actually works. It works really well. Um, it's a pretty darn good um, 2D Sonic game. And I, I will say one thing I really appreciate. Um, I There's a bunch of people on Twitter who are raving about how gay Freedom Planet is. Yeah. Um, which really makes me happy. And playing the game, seeing that made me really happy. It, it's got a lot of undertoniness going to it, but I don't well, think I think it's really only there if you read into it or want to uh, see that. It, it's yeah. not really blatant or anything. You know, it's not like gone home levels of here's a gay story. Yeah. Um, it's I kept just thinking like, it would have been really nice if they just like been that have that little explicit to say, oh yeah, yeah, we're girl three girlfriends. Yeah, you know, or, but, if, it, or if it had just been you know Carol and 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 what's her name. Purple, mm-hmm. the purple dragon lady if it would have just been like yo it's you know it's a relationship oh, yeah. it is what it is if they had just been that I, I think that would have been cool it would have uh, been it's it's definitely like Sh- shovel knight is very like aggressively straight i think mm-hmm. so coming from like comparing that with freedom planet is it freedom planet gives you the freedom to read into it yeah which yeah, is nice. yeah um, um and then the story obviously has a lot of heart but it's still just kind of stuff happening. Um, yeah, it's and it's so much of it. Oh the god, weird- they're just the, the cutscenes by the end just get so long and laborious. Are, oh, I'm on the eighth stage, so there's going to be like four big other things after this. Oh my god! But hey, you know, it's just like if you want to play something that is like, hey, here's what it would feel like if Treasure made a Sonic game. Mm-hmm. Fire that shit up! That. Fire it, that up! It moves so fast. I really. It really does have that the the dragon boost thing really does feel like a kind of a treasury mechanic. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and the way that you're invincible while doing it, mm-hmm. um, and just how you use that to deflect and get away from enemy attacks. Uh, it's super the, treasury, and the bosses are really well done. Mm-hmm. Uh, it makes me think boss, a lot of hunters I, actually. In that I, sense, I, I hated <laughs> the last boss. Though the last boss can go smoke a chode. Ah, uh, uh, bummer. It's just a boss that's, like, off-screen a lot. And mm. it's really hard to keep him on-screen. And mm-hmm. attacks that are just coming from nowhere, seemingly. And it just... It, it got annoying. But, the holographic but, dragon was really, like, oh impressive. Oh, God, that was so good! It looked so cool. Um, I, I remember thinking, this is kind of like Hunters. If Hunters had, like, a bunch of professional sprite art and... Mm-hmm. 
the cutscenes are ten times as long. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. The fact the fact that Hunter's cutscenes are like kind of dopey and sweet, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I tried to make they get short. out. They get out of the way. And the main character does remind me a lot of Karina. Huh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah she's, I get she's that. got that same kind of spunky attitude going for her, and yeah, I, I can see a lot of uh, I can see a lot of her in her. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, I and yeah, I played a bunch of that. I think it is a little weird how you don't really need any momentum to go up walls at all. Really, yeah, you, you can, can just kind of walk up a wall. You can walk up walls at literally zero speed, a la can, Sonic, uh, a la Sonic Four Episode One. <laughs> so it's basically it's a lot like um, that treasure thing you said. Like the first Sonic game was this slow paced momentum platformer, and then Sonic Two and Three gave you a lot more, was focused a lot more on speed and breeziness. And then Freedom Planet just drops every little speck of Sonic 1 entirely. Yeah, yeah. It it, it doesn't really deal a lot with the momentum, but you still get this incredible sense of speed. that It, 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 it controls very well. Mm-hmm. Um, it doesn't feel out of control. Like, the camera is usually just pitch perfect to where you need it to be. You're not blindsided by that many obstacles. Uh, the level designs are really nicely done. Um, mm-hmm. it's, it, it, there's not a lot of bad I can say about that game other than that the story is just, it's just insufferable. <laughs> yeah. The levels go on for quite a while, a lot, and... I like that, though, because they, to me, they felt like it, it would be about the same length of an entire As, like, zone. two acts of a Sonic yeah. stage. So it, it's, yeah, like, that makes sense. And, and there are checkpoints throughout, so it still feels like it's just like one big cohesive level, like maybe Sonic Three, but you don't have that stop. Mm-hmm. I guess, I guess, um, I was feeling a little bit, lo- lo- little more lukewarm about it playing through the levels because after playing Sonic One and Two, it, and a good bit of Three, it was starting to feel like my actions had a lot less connection had a little a lot less consequence than in those games yeah and it's, it felt more it's, like i was just kind of moving to the right it's definitely a pretender to the throne in that way um it mm-hmm. definitely does not have the the thought out level design that you know sonic 2 and 3 did um but more thought what, out than sonic cd yeah <laughs> Hey, but what they it's do, not that levels of just moving to the right. Yeah, but what they do have there, I feel, is substantial because it, you've got the combat mechanic, um, and, and that you know, even though you're not like going super crazy in the level designs, the combat still, you know, it gives you something else to focus on other than holding to the right. Mm-hmm. So I still felt that there was a decent bit of variety, even if the level design wasn't quite on par with what they're trying to, you know, mimic. Yeah. It's a very good step to what I think is something I really hope exists at some point, which is like, you know how Gradius V is basically like the complete reinvention and of like all the other old Gradius games and it like hones in on the options and makes them these really interesting things. Yeah. Or Outrun 2 to Outrun 1 or all these other old games and how they can kind of reinvent these other games in brilliant, cool ways. Pac-Man Championship Edition. That's there the best you go. example. There you go. Um, it's like that, but in Sonic form someday would be super rad. Yeah. Treasure Freedom Planet is the step towards the Pac-Man Championship edition of Sonic 2 and 3, I think. And that's a really admirable thing. Yeah. And I, and I really hope we get that someday. And maybe... 
something with a little more enjoyable story. Oh lord! And you know what the weird <laughs> thing is? It, they you don't can play even... through that. You can play through that game without ever experiencing the story, though. They give you an option right up front that says, you know, yo, arcade mode. Don't ever look at the yeah. story. And what you miss out so on all the. You miss out. What is so bad about the story? I want to know. It's absolutely it's just boring. Long. It's long. It's full of itself. It it tries a lot of comedy that is just it's below Saturday morning cartoon Ugh. levels of humor. It's, you miss it's, out on like the the three girls having a slumber party after a level if you skip out on the adventure thing, and that's super cute. Yeah, that is a like really, that is a really cute scene. It's really nice. And then, like, let's go have a one-on-one girls' night out after this with um, the bunny girl and the dragon. It's like, oh, that's really sweet. That's adorable. And there's all those undertones that a lot of people were getting a lot of enjoyment from. Yeah. Um, so those are all, like, good things about it. And I just, if they had just gone at that script with, like, a hacksaw. Oh, yeah, definitely. Because they, the, the levels, the, they don't even segue from level to level well. Like, there's once there's this 10, 15-minute long cutscene where she's leaving the prison. Then she gets thrown back in prison and says, I'll have to escape somehow. And then it cuts to a level, and it's completely separate from the prison. She's just outside somewhere else. Yeah, that does not... <laughs> it's yeah, like, she just no, got thrown in prison. There aren't any... Then, g- it's not a good segu at all. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and if you're gonna have, like, cutscenes at all, then they should at least serve to, like, link up the gameplay bits... Yeah, and it like, doesn't do that. The level, the level progression in terms of themes makes very little sense. Mm-hmm. Mm. So if you just appreciate it as like an abstract Sonic game, then great. But if you're playing it as like a story, which is what the cutscenes really want you to do, then it falls flat. And the fact that they felt the need to include an arcade mode at all, I think, I think kind of speaks to that. Like, Hunters didn't need that. It, you could just play the game and appreciate. Revengeance doesn't need that, even though there's a ton of cutscenes in Revengeance. Um, but they're all pretty brief. Yeah, exactly. The only tack, the only dumb one is the uh, helicopter fight that's completely oh, like yeah. play. Yeah. Don't play it at all. It's yeah. like three minutes of watching Ryan be cool, and that's not what I. That's not what I signed up for the revenge, Revengeance for. Is to be not cool. What I'm here for I, game. Come on yeah. now. Come now. I can play old play Metal Gear Solid Four if I want this. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so, aside from that, Revengeance's cutscenes all serve to actually link up the bits and make tearing out the guy's heart that much more cathartic. Um, and in Freedom Planet, it doesn't really work. Cutscenes in a game generally connect the gameplay segments. Yeah, and the Freedom Planet just kind of doesn't at a very basic element of. Oh yeah, box. it fails pretty. How can you have cuts? It, the cutscenes sometimes feel like they're as long as the levels they precede. Yeah, they, and just, they don't do that. Yeah. So it's so yeah. That's why people are really angry at Freedom Planet's cutscenes is that they're like forty to fifty percent of the game. It feels like. Oh my god! And that doesn't make any sense. They're it's just, bizarre. They're so long and boring. But seriously, and, and, and I, I really hate ragging on these cutscenes as bad as we are because uh, <laughs> we're 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 good friends with Sean Chiplock and uh, Edwin Tiong, who voiced a couple of characters in the game, <laughs> and uh, you know, and I think that their their roles they did them very well. You know, I'm not trying to kiss uh-huh. ass. I thought that they were done well. Um, but just the story and the things that have to come out of those characters' mouths is just absolutely... I was trying to appreciate it as, like, being 
elementary school me again. I, we're we're I below, we're below middle too. school me I going on new grounds and watching little sprite movies of like <laughs> Mario characters and their mouths moving to words. Yeah. And like elementary school me dug the shit out of that and I can't anymore. I'm sorry. Yeah, it's just it yeah, the story's bad. But but the game itself is really mm. rad and it's Oh yeah. It's it's one of the unsung games of the year, I think. I, I can't understand why this game didn't get more press than it did, especially since it's been such a slow year for games on the whole. And this was just a really solid indie game that came from a really yeah, successful my... Kickstarter. Um, and yeah, it's they delivered on what they said they were going to deliver flat out. Mm-hmm. If I had it's been back- on my radar ever since I ever since I heard about it like four months ago, I was like, oh, I need to play this thing. And, yeah, and if, I, I if, I, if I had backed that project, I would have been very happy with what uh, they turned in. It's a good mm-hmm. game. It's a good game. Oh yeah. The sad part is that I'm probably going to play this someday, and I just don't have it into me to select arcade mode. Oh my god! I can't. Skip I know, right? <laughs> it's just like, well, this is what they intended, so God help me. It's, it's part of the experience. <laughs> I gotta not skip the cutscenes. Well, I'm sure we will hear about it someday, and we'll get <laughs> it's your. Like, it's like sin and punishment. Did you like sin? It's like Sin and Punishment 2 cutscenes if they were five yeah. times as long. Oh my god. Oh god. Those are so bad. Nobody nobody knows what's going on in the Sin and Punishment star successor. Uh-huh. Nobody knows at all. Apparently the N64 one, the cutscenes are way longer. Like, they yeah. were way worse. They were way better in star successor. Oh my god. Oh my god. That's so good. yeah. That's a good fucking game, though. There ha- It really is. But it, so, like, if Freedom Planet was blowing me away as much as like Sin and Punishment Two was as a game, <laughs> if it really was like the complete reinvention of Sonic in a way that makes perfect sense, and the thing that we things that we didn't even know were broken are fixed of Sonic, then it would be I would be hyping it up to hell and back. But it's just a good two D Sonic game with a lot of baggage. <laughs> A lot of baggage and a great combat system, and there, mm-hmm. you know, there, you know, there are three characters Some you can eventually play as, um, and all three characters control differently, have different special attacks, and all of that stuff. Mm-hmm. So there's, how there's, are the other characters? <clears throat> huh? How are the other characters? I've only They're played as dragon at, so far. Carol's pretty awesome. Uh, she gets a motorbike. motorcycle. Yeah, awesome. just motorbike up the <laughs> side of fucking wall. Who cares? <laughs> um, playing as uh, the girl, the the the, the rabbit dog thing bunny girl bunny, bunny rabbit yeah her, i don't know how you're supposed to know lydia's a dragon just yeah. from the sprite she's she's just like her her play style is just I, I still don't understand it boner tried to explain it uh a while back i think it was on episode two um the first time we had him on and it was just like i, I didn't quite get it but i mean there's a lot of value to that package you're getting a lot of game and a lot of good game um for what that game offers so definitely freedom planet check it yep yep and that's everything i've played well Rhett. oh boy i guess we know what time it is (laughs) nap time it's nap time nap time or you could uh you could keep me awake by telling me all about everything you decided to play in the last couple of weeks okay tell me if you've heard this one before i played a sonic game that's an interesting... I don't think we talk about Sonic that much on this podcast, yeah. so I think it'll be interesting having a new perspective here. Uh, which Sonic game did you play? Uh, I went back and replayed Sonic Colors for the Wii. Ooh. How'd you feel about that, uh, going through it again? 
I thought it was good. Kind of about the same as I thought it about it the first time I played, where it's like, this is good. It's not great. Like, yeah. there's some things I wish I could fix about it, but it's good. Ultimately, like, it'll keep you engaged. Yeah. So, yeah, John was going through the the adventure games, and I kind of got the bug and ended up playing Sonic Colors. And uh, I didn't realize when I first played it, because that was the first kind of of the... People call Unleashed Colors and Generations the Boost Trilogy now. Yeah. So I hadn't realized when I played it at the time just how similar it is kind of in controls to Unleashed and Generations, which didn't exist at the time. But, like, the main controls are... You've got the boost button and the slide and, like, the ground pound. Well, the boost is a lot more limited in colors as well. I, uh, yeah. I, I find I, that you don't get to use it quite as much as you do. And, like, Generations is just Generations is... Hold the yeah. boost button, never let go. But uh, in colors, uh, yeah. it's a pretty rare commodity, and you've got to be smart in mm-hmm. how to use it. Yeah, I really like that, how in, in Generations, rings power your boost. Yeah. So you always have some. And if you die and hit a checkpoint, like, there's always two rings sitting there, and you can just immediately boost. But in Sonic Colors, you need the White Wisps to get some boost. So it does feel like a reward for knowing the level or knowing when to hit the boost to get the maximum out of it. Mm-hmm. Like, there's definitely speedrunning potential there. But just, like, the overall feel of the game is much closer to the generations than I had realized I haven't played Unleashed. And then it also does a lot of the 2D stuff where the camera sh- shifts over and got more technical platforming. I think a majority of that game is from, like, this side yeah. view, isn't it? A majority of, like, the other acts are 2D only. Yeah. They usually but, have, like, one or two large introductory mm-hmm. stages to each new zone. Yeah. And then smaller stages dotted are, throughout. Yeah, each world has six acts, I think, for the most part. Mm-hmm. And like you said, like the first act is usually the big, flashy 3D Sonic, and then a lot of the other acts will be... Sometimes they'll intermix 2D and 3D, but a lot of them will be... A very gimmicky kind of gimmick. I'm <laughs> really now. <laughs> like there's one where the entire level is just 2D, and you're jumping on this spring that's moving automatically. It kind of feels that's close. a very that's a very gimmicky kind of gimmick. Yeah, and it feels kind of like more of a Mario game where sometimes like it's just it, this one single idea for an entire act. So you're saying the momentum doesn't make it feel like Mr. Gimmick? <laughs> Jeez. <laughs> Does not feel like Mr. Gimmick. It's more of a trip world than a Mr. Gimmick. Oh, God. (laughs) (laughs) But I think the thing I like about Sonic Colors is that it kind of fixes the thematic issues that the Sonic games have had where Sonic Adventure brought in humans and Unleashed in 2006 also had human characters, which people don't like. And Sonic mm. Colors is just like... They can work like, realistic and unleashed. Like in 2006, an adventure and Adventure 2, they're realistic yeah. human beings. Or what passed for realistic for those generations? Oh, the, so the humans in 06 and Robotnik in 06 is just... <laughs> <laughs> but Sonic Colors feels like they stepped back and like were just like, okay, we gotta just do what matters, and that's the main characters, Robotnik, and robots, and there's nothing else. Yeah. So they gave Robotnik these two kind of cheesy companions who apparently are in the Sonic Boom cartoon now. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, they adapted those guys over for whatever reason. Why not? <laughs> I 
Yeah, I skipped most of the cutscenes through this. I am gonna say that what I have seen in the Sonic Boom cartoon isn't that bad, though. Yeah, I think Sonic Boom actually looks okay. I, I, think, the, I, I think that like the cartoon, like, not the game. Yeah, no, 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 not, the, not game. the game, but like the cartoon. I've watched three or four episodes because people have linked it on my timeline here and there, and it was like, you know, that was that was genuinely kind of lighthearted and fun, and not you know, really funny yeah. in certain. I mean, Sonic Boom is just like the licensed video yeah. game for that the, cartoon. Yeah, right? the the writing is surprisingly snappy. Uh, it's very surprising in like the first time you ever saw Kim Possible and was like, wow, the writing's really fucking good here. That's cool. That's really cool. Sorry to, do, to, to yeah. derail you no, there. That's fine. That's what we do on this podcast. Yeah. <laughs> so Sonic Colors really focuses on on just trying to be thematically consistent. Where Robotnik has this big crazy theme park, and it's it's completely unrealistic, but it feels fine for the game itself. Like it's not Sonic running around New York City talking to humans. It's a Robotnik thing. It's just like why not? Yeah. Uh, an amusement mm-hmm. park. In. He's, like, got planets chained up and planet wispins, wispin stuff. Yeah. And I think the issue with the Sonic games for a very long time since Adventure 1 was how do we make, like, a 10-hour game out of content for Sonic where we can't actually feasibly make 10 hours of good platforming yeah. stages? Basically, yeah, all would, of them have been struggling with that. It would yeah, take like, a stupidly large budget to create nothing but speed levels. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, and so make it a 10-hour game. Adventure 1 and 2 had all the extra characters. 2006, I guess, had alternate characters as well. Mm-hmm. And, and city segments. Unleashed yeah. had city segments and the Werehog segments. And the Werehog. And this one, it's just Sonic, and it's really weird. Because it works, and it's not boring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, they do the alternate acts to have... They can reuse kind of the visuals for other stage gimmicks and stuff. And I don't think some of the other acts are the best, but they're good enough. Yeah, I mean, they're, the obvious meat and potatoes are, like, the beginning and end of each zone. Yeah. But, like, the stuff in the middle never really feels too piddling or awful. Mm-hmm. No knuckles yeah. or Rouge the Bat levels. Exactly. I mean, they're straight platforming, and it's generally yeah. well-designed. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It and feels like, it seems like the first 3D Sonic game that actually makes sense. Yeah, that it feels where like... Everything about it, like, makes sense together. It kind of feels like just a natural progression of the 16-bit games where you could kind of jump to this and be like, yeah, this is Sonic. In, in the same way that I sort of feel like um, uh, Super Mario 3D Land is sort of like a good bridge to see like where 2D Mario jumps to 3D Mario, where that's yeah. like a good bridge. Sonic Colors feels like it would have been like the perfect bridge to have taken Sonic into 3D sensibly. Uh-huh. Yeah. The only thing about that is that the physics are completely different. Oh yeah, from the 16-bit games, which yeah. really drove me nuts when I first played it. But now I'm kind of more used to modern Sonic. How he feels He's very, very floaty. Yeah, the one thing I still really hate in colors is that when you're in the 2D view and you press jump and then jump again. Yeah, he has a double jump the in double this jump. one. When in generations, he kind of juts forward. Yeah, like you missed a homing attack. Yeah. So in this, I'll be like making a plat, trying to do a platform jump, and I'll go for the double jump because like everything is designed so that you need to be double jumping. And if Sonic comes anywhere near an enemy, and then you oh, do, do the homing attack, yeah. and I don't realize that's going to happen, he goes flying off somewhere. I like die every time. Yeah, oh. it can be a little unwieldy. 
So that's yeah. just like a kind of a symptom of being a Wii game too, with the um, two buttons basically. Well, I think it's, no, it's something it, they fixed in Generations though, where oh, having him jump and then jut forward when you press jump again in the air, yeah, is more natural because the second button press could also be a homing attack. Yeah, where or in like, colors the second it's a jump. Double jump. But the second one is like a tiny. Yeah, it's a jump. very minuscule. Like it's just a barely like a poke up in the air. Yeah. It's like mm. it's less of a jump than the spin move in Mario Galaxy that you can use to kind of correct yourself. Oh, okay. Yeah, it's weaker than that. Yeah, mm. and it also kills your momentum. Oh so, yeah. Oh. <laughs> so if you jump and then tap the stick a little bit, he'll keep moving. Even though you've returned the stick to center, but then if you hit the double jump, he'll stop in place, and that makes platforming really difficult in a few places for no reason. Yeah, all that is annoying. Yeah, so I think they definitely cleaned up that in generations. Oh yeah, definitely. But Sonic Colors is really good, and then I don't love the last stage because it kind of starts taking itself seriously. Yeah. Oh bummer. It's it's not awful, but it definitely gets more dramatic, and then a song okay. plays when you fight the final boss. Yeah, <laughs> they go they go for it. They go for it. Don't quite nail it, but I I, I never really mm. held it against the game that much because everything that came before is still just so really just good. Yeah, and yeah. the colors cutscenes felt a little more smarmy than Generations did. Does that ring true at all? Yeah, they, I they think feel so. more like. Oh, we're self-aware now. Yeah, Aren't we I think being that clever? with Colors script, like, they're very self-aware, but I think with Generations, they're a little better at hiding it. Yeah, exactly. So I Generations' skip, is yeah. silly cartoony cutscenes resonated with me more than Colors' is silly cartoony yeah. cutscenes. I don't remember loving the color stuff when I first watched it. I skipped all of it this time. Gotcha. I, I still really like it. I think it's just... It's just cute and dumb, and I think the I, intro like, cutscene is nice. I, I like the song I, I that like, plays. I like really snappy writing, and and there is a lot of snappy writing in the colors uh, script, mm. so I, I can enjoy that. And I I just I love Robotnik, and I think oh he's really funny. They've really nailed his personification. Yeah, uh, over he's those like, last few games, he's so good. He's like the one really consistent thing in all the Sonic media now. Yeah, yeah, I think. They have Except the same 06, voice actor. Right? Was, was uh, he, he probably didn't have that exact personality when he looked like a no. mutant in 06. I don't know about 06, but I think they've had the same voice actor since Sha- Shadow think, the Hedgehog. Actually, I think the actor that played him in 06 passed away. Mm. Um, and then they gotcha. replaced him in the next game. Uh, yeah, mm. I really I like think, Robotnik in Adventure 1 and 2, by the yeah, way. Yeah, Robotnik in 1 and 2 um, and Heroes, and I want to say 06, were done by the same dude, and I believe he has passed away, unfortunately. Yeah. But the new one's really good, too. Oh, yeah, he's so good at just hamming it the fuck up. And the, he's in Sonic Boom as well. So, I guess... You're still of the opinion. Sonic Colors, still pretty rad. People yep. should play it. Um, I agree. Any, got anything else on your mind? Uh, and after that, I played a little bit of Generations, and it was like, 
Oh, wait, fuck Song Colors. This one's way better. <laughs> I think that they're both still really good. I can yeah, play mm-hmm. either one. I think it's I just... I played Colors After Generations, and I still really enjoyed it. I think yeah. it's just the way the boost mechanics work. It, it, that yeah. That's really the defining difference between the two games, other than, like, level structure and general overall feel. Um, when Generations on the PC is 60 frames a second... It's so much smoother. Oh god! It's, Ooh, it, yeah, look, it, it's it, yeah. That game's super. I'm impressive. really glad that the PC version exists because I guess the console ones are 30. Yeah, apparently, Revengeance is one of the few like PS3 games that has a 60 frames per second. Yeah, they nailed 60 That's frames per cool. second yeah. on that version. I think Platinum aims for 60 in they general. They usually try. I guess Vanquish might be 30, actually, but I whatever. I think it is. Yeah. So, yeah. And then I played a lot of Cloud Built. This is a game where you run fast and jump around and you try to get to the end of levels really quickly. I, that's well, that doesn't sound like anything we've been talking about. Yeah. yeah. A refreshing theme for the podcast. Yeah, not like stuff we've talked about nah. much today. Nah. Uh, you also have a gun, so a little bit different there. <laughs> oh, okay. That changes uh, things. And there's enemies and you shoot them, but... So Cloud Built, when it came out, it was really, really hard. And then they've made changes to how the enemies work over time and made it easier. Mm-hmm. And then they gave a free D- DLC expansion that had some en- some levels that didn't have any enemies at all, so you could just focus on the running. And that was really nice. So I thought, oh, these guys kind of learned from the feedback of the original game where people were just mad it was so difficult and they just wanted to focus on the speed running. Uh, and then they put out another expansion this week, or maybe it was a couple weeks ago by now, that's a total reversal of everything <laughs> from before, where it is by far the hardest levels in the game they added this time. And they, they, what were these levels that were just, like, finished and they didn't put in the final game, but they didn't no. bother tweaking, or...? No, they d- released this DLC called Defiance where it's five new levels and they're just all really, really fucking hard. Oh, jeez. There's a bunch of new mechanics in them, like uh, there's boost pads and... Bounce pads! Bounce pads, and there's some walls that you can run on that don't drain your jetpacks. And so they feel fresh because there's new stuff that you haven't seen before, and I think there might be one or two new enemy types, but... These levels are just really, really hard. <laughs> and when I first loaded it up, I was just, like, immediately so disappointed at first because I'm just like, oh, it's just going to be, like, this trial and error bullshit and kind of disappointed that felt felt like they were walking back from making the game easier where now it's like, oh, yeah, well, we can kick you really hard. Check this out. <laughs> but I ended up really putting the time in and learning these levels and eventually beat all five of them and it's got to be one of the most satisfying things in a game I've done all oh, year. Oh, cool. Did, did it end up being, you know, just trial and error bullshit or did you feel that like the stuff that you'd learned playing through the main game still carried over and you were just having to think of how to use it yeah. in different ways? A little bit of both. It is still very difficult and there's a lot of repetition but one of the weirdest things in these levels is that they don't have set checkpoints. Oh, like you have to set your own. You have to set your own, which is a mechanic that's present in the normal game, but you'll get, like, one settable checkpoint per level. And in 
there'll be like three or four kind of regular checkpoints in this you start with one settable checkpoint and then you have to find the rest in the levels themselves oh wow oh. and then they're put in like extra hard places which what? makes yeah they're oh. off the main path so which makes learning the levels kind of a giant pain in the ass because a lot of the times you'll like want to put a checkpoint before the detour that takes you to get the other checkpoint so that you can, you know, have a checkpoint. Right. So, so I would have to really kind of learn the levels, then start over entirely, and then kind of do two segments at once and place a checkpoint instead of doing one and checkpoint. Like, kind of taking these flags, which are the checkpoints, as far as I can before, okay, this part I'm like 90% guaranteed to die on, so I better put a checkpoint here. Does so the game work on a life system or anything, or is it just all uh, time-based? These levels, they give you 300 lives at the start. Oh, Jesus Oh, Christ. my God. Okay, yeah, they knew what they were doing. Yeah, they... Yeah. Uh, so you do... I did find myself having to restart these levels a lot just to kind of stretch out my checkpoints as far as I was comfortable with. Like, for the final level, I was going like two or three minutes from the start without dropping the first checkpoint just because I learned that one segment so well. It was just like, well, I got to push as far as I can. That is a huge section of level to be memorizing and just like no fuck-ups for that three-minute window of time. Maybe I mean, that's probably an exaggeration because people can still beat these levels in like two minutes or whatever when they're really flying through. But like... My actual time on the last level was probably like nine minutes, and then it counts in your death penalty, which was like another ten minutes for me because I died like two hundred times. Oh my oh god! My. <laughs> but it's just—it's really hard, but it's really rewarding. And I don't think, like the way the new mechanics work, it allows you to do more than one thing at once. I'm not really like one of the big mechanics in the game is that you have this fuel when you're running on walls or doing double jumps or doing dashes. And they added walls that don't drain fuel when you run on them. Mm. So you don't have to worry about your fuel for a little bit and allows you to focus more on the shooting or just the jumping and stuff. Right. And, like, if you have to use a double jump, like, you're not automatically going to die when you reach the end because you're going to run out of fuel. Like, it kind of gives you a bit of a safety net. I see. That's really cool. Because, like, a double jump or a dash uses a third of your total fuel normally. But under the the new rules... Yeah. You can... If you're running on a wall that doesn't drain fuel, by the when you get to the end, you'll still have the same amount. So, it, it's, I know, I'm explaining it really No, it's poorly. a really cool way to keep the game, yeah. like, fast and frenetic. Yeah. And then, of course, they have segments that are, like tens or of walls in a row that are all the non-fuel draining ones, so it allows for much longer segments of like not having to stop and yeah, pure yeah. wall running and yeah, because in the normal Jeez. game, like when they had a really long wall segment section, they'd have to be littering it with fuel pickups like constantly, and if you missed one, like you were You're gonna done. die. Yeah, You're done. So this, in a way, it's more forgiving. Even though it overall feels harder, it doesn't feel as cheap as some of the really hard sections in the original game. 
like specifically there's this one wall run at the end of the original game and that's just completely nuts and then you get to the top and there's like a bunch of enemies up there ready to shoot you and you just get shot and fall and it's Aww, like oh that's crap so this level does these new levels do have a lot of like oh there's an enemy around the wall that you probably didn't know was going to be there but when once you learn where to point your gun like in advance it's not that bad and the game has really interesting physics and these levels kind of feel like they're teaching you how broken the physics are in a way cuz with the bounce pads there's one a couple spots where it's very deliberately like hey what happens if you do a double jump right after hitting this thing and if you do you go flying like super far cuz there's just like no cap to how fast you can go in this game oh wow so it's really funny because there's this one section where there's like a 45 degree sloped wall and bounce pads at the left side of it. And at the start, I'm just like, uh, and of course there's like a shitload of grenades mm. fl- flying around. I'm just like, how the hell do you do this? And then I realized if like I jump after hitting the bounce pad, you'd go flying like over the entire thing. That's really cool. It's really cool. And it's really kind of, I won't say nauseating, but like, if this was in first person, you'd be like, barf bag city. <laughs> like, you go so fast and flying like crazy in this. So, yeah. yeah the, I, the, the game has just this insane sense of speed. I recently yeah. picked it up. I haven't played it yet, but I've seen enough videos of it from you and, and mm-hmm. other people to know that, that, like, this game is really fast and it definitely looks like it's got a learning curve and a half to it. Yeah. The new levels definitely feel like they kind of guide you more into learning advanced mechanics better than some of the normal stages do because these stages are so hard you are kind of forced like to figure out like yeah they're built around those advanced uh, yeah. mechanics stuff how like if you dash on the ground you'll immediately start to lose speed but if you dash and then jump you just go until you hit the ground again oh wow like you just oh kind of I'm watching to... one of these levels right now and it's just so nuts <laughs> yeah I played and I played a big chunk of Cloud Belt too. Yeah, so I want to record just, myself doing the last level. I think only, right when I finished it, like only fifteen people had beat it so far. Damn! Oh my god! Yeah. Oh, I can and see I, myself getting really into this. It's really hard, but I don't know. It feels really good when you get it finished. Mm-hmm. It's a game that you've got to give yourself a little time to click with. Yeah. Like, don't be immediately off-put, like, if it's something that you're not quite good at. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, I, I was getting, I was pretty into it right from the start. I just kind of let go of it for some reason. The only thing I think is off-putting about the games are the, is the really, really bad um, story sequences. Oh, yeah. They're just super... You know what, though? Yeah? The DLC continues the story a bit, and it's almost worth the payoff at the end. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, I liked the ending. That's cool. Like it does at the end of, of the DLC. Yeah, it kind of feels like this was the true ending of the game, but it's mm-hmm. also like so difficult that most people aren't going to see it. You said fifteen people would have seen <laughs> yeah, the ending. So far. Oh my god! I mean, from a business perspective, I'm not sure why they decided to make this because, like, the original Steam stats for like completing the entire game was like 1.5 percent. Ouch. So this is, like, stuff that's harder than that. So, like, beating the last level right now is, like, 0.07 people. 
Well, I mean, I guess that that shows a dedication to their audience that they do have. Yeah, one of the developers is really involved in, like, chatting with people and, like, watching speedruns and kind of helping people out. That's really cool. That's always encouraging when a developer can stay in touch with the audience like that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's a little bit of me that's like, this is a really cool Mega Man X game in the sense that there's, like that sense of speed that some of the later games kind of had with the dashing mm-hmm. and the wall jumping. Yeah. And yeah. it's kind of interesting thinking of it like that. Yeah. A lot of people have described it as like Sonic meets Mega Man. Mm-hmm. And it does feel cool when you're like wall running and shooting out these enemies and jumping mm-hmm. off and shooting a thing off a platform and, Oh, there's a turret over there. Blam, blam. <laughs> but oh the new levels focus more on the platforming antics and craziness. Like, awesome. there's these slippery floors where mines rolling down them, and I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's crazy. I really want to make a LP video of the last level, but I'm kind of scared to go back in there. Do it! <laughs> uh, so, next game I've been playing for the majority of the three weeks since we recorded the last one is Far Cry 2. Uh-huh. I seem to so, remember you playing this a while and, ago and not really being that into it. This is a game I've had at least two false starts on where I played it for a bit and was like, I see good things in this, but it's too hard and fuck it. And I gave up. And then like a year ago, I gave it another shot and still ended up giving up. And then for some reason, Far Cry 4 came out a couple weeks ago. And I was like, you know, I should give Far Cry 2 another shot, because I played Far Cry 3, and it was okay, but it was like... It was like tourism. Ubisoft mush. Very easy, breezy, just like, hey, come see the content, craft some stuff, get some upgrades, shoot some people. Clear out these these markers on your objective map. Oh god, the UI in Far Cry 3 drove me fucking nuts, because the map map was like constantly full of just shit. Mm-hmm. I just like. I think, I, turn- Jay, I think Giant Bomb put that number three on the Game of the Year list, and I was like, "Really?" <laughs> I didn't play. I can really see why they liked it, but yeah, so, I, I kind of think of Far in my brain, having not really played any of them. Far Cry Two is the good one, <laughs> or at least the interesting yeah. one. It's it's definitely the interesting one. I think mm-hmm. the funny thing is that so Far Cry Four comes out, I start playing two again, and then two websites like Rock, Rock Paper Shotgun and another one both did articles with the title like Why Far Cry 2 is still the best in the series. Wow. Yeah. Mm-hmm. On the same day. It was really weird. And <laughs> one of them, I think it was the RPS one, kind of made it like a sound like a Kawazu game where it's just <laughs> everything is random and fucks you and you just have to deal with it. It was just like Oh, sometimes your gun jams in in the middle of a firefight. Fuck you. Sometimes you catch malaria. Fuck yep. you. <laughs> sometimes an enemy will come up in a truck behind you, just run you over, and you die in one hit. Fuck you. <laughs> this sounds really cool. So it's a weird game because it's like it's a bunch of interacting systems, and that's really cool. But like the mission design itself is so boring Uh, like every mission is literally get to point and either blow up static objective or shoot static npc in the head oh geez like 
the missions are really... Is it as intrusive as the mission structure and objectives in 3 and 4? Uh, I don't... I haven't played 4. I think 3 kind of... When you were on a mission, it would kind of section that off and you were in mission mode. Mm-hmm. Far Cry 2, it's just an open world. And it's like, here's a marker over there. Go kill that guy. Yeah. But you're still in the open world. There's like not really dynamic mission stuff. It's just the world as it is. Yeah, because those systems really interest me, and I kind of just want to be able to... Can you just kind of run off and experience the sandbox for a bit and not feel like you're being bombarded with content oh, <laughs> all the time? Yeah. Okay, That's good. the thing about this, is that the game is like... It reminds me much more of Assassin's Creed 1, where it's like, there's a world, but if you're not doing the main objective, there's like no side content whatsoever. That honestly appeals to me more because they yeah. have all that. They have all the um, interlocking systems and whatever going across mm-hmm. Far Cry Two. So just appreciating that stuff and yeah. feels sounds better than just being than the Ubisoft barrage of mush. Yeah, it's yeah. definitely not the constant barrage of stuff. Like you can only have one active mission at a time. Mm-hmm. It, so like. It's weird. Like, there's main missions and then missions from the gun vendor to unlock new guns, but you can't have both at the same time. So you just got to be doing your main thing, or else mm-hmm. you're not really making progress. But you're also having fun in the same open world. I see. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it sounds sparse, but I probably would prefer that to yeah. all the junk. It's extremely sparse, yeah. It's like a game where you'll, you'll spend like five or six minutes driving to your objective. And then shoot a few people in like a minute, and then be done. Mm-hmm. Like it's but not, it's all just in the context of this pretty well realized world. Yeah, and it's with really, all of these weird mechanics. Yeah, it's a really nice looking game too. Like they really set the Africa stuff. It looks amazing, and there's well, yeah, a date. I mean, if, if that's one thing the CryEngine can do, it's it's make shit look good. Yeah, except mm-hmm. for I Sonic played a good Boom. chunk of I played a huge <laughs> chunk of Crisis. Um, yeah. And I think that's a lot more closed off, but it's yeah. the same thing. Like one, it didn't really feel closed off, and it was still only one mission at a time. And I always felt like mm-hmm. I could just kind of poke around and be enjoying myself. Yeah, but Crisis is eventually just kind of a linear mm-hmm. game. This is more just like, hey, here's a world, and I don't know, do this objective. Cool. But I think like the objectives in Crisis were better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah, Far, Far Cry Two is Crisis now. <laughs> Far Cry 2 is funny because, like, you have extremely low ammo f- in your guns, but they love to give you lots of grenades and, like, Molotovs <laughs> because those are the two things that really amp up the ca- chaos. Yeah. Like, it's such a deliberate thing that they don't hold you back on those. They're like, oh, you can have, like, five Molotovs and five grenades and blow shit up, but... Go crazy. <laughs> 90 bullets on your assault rifle, because fuck you. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah, it's just, it's a game where stuff just kind of happens, and you're just like, oh, Far Cry 2 is happening. Because when those <laughs> systems, the randomness when it hits itself and hits its stride, it's just, it's really crazy. Cool. Like, there's one part where I'm, like, leaving a mission on a boat, and, like, just another enemy boat comes up behind me, and I am have to take the wheel, and, like, I'm shooting them from the side. It's just like... Oh, it's like an action movie, but this isn't even like a scripted thing. It's just shit it just, that's happening it just in the world. Happened. Oh my god! Yeah. 
That's legit cool. Yeah. The one thing I wish Far Cry 2 had was the ability to shoot while driving, which oh, I guess 4, yeah. 4 just finally added that, which sounds mm. amazing. <laughs> yeah. Because you can, you can already, like, look around while driving, but you can't pull out a handgun and shoot at the same time. It seems like a weird oversight in this one. Mm-hmm. The game also yeah, has... that sounds really cool. Yeah. It's also really committed to first person in a way few games really go for entirely. Like, it never leaves first person. Even if you're, like, getting into a car or, like, shaking, taking an envelope from somebody. So it's very... Or, like, if your car flips over, it's still in first person. Oh, jeez. <laughs> oh, I, re- I really admire that. I really yeah. like that a lot. So when they when I saw videos of like Grand Theft Auto Five in first person, I'm like, oh my god, it's the Far Cry game I wanted, because <laughs> it's just like in Grand Theft Auto Five, the HD one, you can never leave first person if you want. Yeah, that l- actually looks really cool. Yeah, that is pretty neat. So Far Cry Two is really good, but I'm having a hard time finishing it because it's kind of the same thing over and over. <laughs> which is- the, 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 the mission objectives themselves yeah. aren't exciting enough to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Because the missions themselves are just relying on the systems to be interesting yeah. instead of having anything to themselves where it's just like everything is either go here, kill this guy or blow up this convoy that draw, drives in a circle. Oh. So it's like it's funny the first time you sit there waiting for the convoy to pull up and you just pull out a rocket launcher and blow him up. It mm-hmm. kind of loses it, like, the fourth time. <laughs> wow. It's just like, I don't know, maybe I'll just leave a mine in the road. <laughs> mm-hmm. Why not? Yeah. Um, Far Cry 3, you can clear out outposts, and they, they stay cleared out. But then in Far Cry 2, um, yeah. you can clear that out, but then they'll get populated again later on. That seems like even... it better facilitates the systems if you're, if you're constantly at risk anywhere. You can't just clear stuff out and then have it be cleared out forever. Yeah. That's I yeah, that's something I meant to talk about is how Far Cry 3 is kind of check lot bleh, checklist and clearing out things and just Ubisoft, you know. Yeah, it's typically like it's just Ubisoft the game. Yeah. At this point. So in Far Cry 2 or Far Cry 3, when you clear an outpost, it stays cleared. It's a little check mark. But Far Cry 2 is just the outpost is enemies, and they're always going to be there unless you shoot them, and then 30 seconds later, you turn around, they're back. Yeah. Gosh. Which well, is annoying. Far Cry 1, exactly? I have like, no idea. What made that Far Cry choice. 1 is a more of a linear experience. Kind of like Crisis, just less Yeah. It's, and it's very fucking hard and unforgiving, and I hated it. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think Far Cry 1 is the only one actually made by Crytek. I think so, yes. So it's basically mm. Crisis Zero. Yeah. And yeah. Far Cry 2 is when they went into this weird open-world direction. Yeah. It seems like Far Cry 2 and Assassin's Creed 1 were both these kind of weird, interesting yeah. things. And then they got turned into... Then Assassin's Creed 2 came out, and then everything since has been that. And then yeah. they released Watch Dogs. And then instead of starting <laughs> off with an interesting idea, it was just that to begin with. <laughs> yeah. And then what do they release that's not just the mush? The crew is the driving... Open it's world. Uh, okay. from what I understand, it's still the same shit. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're still driving you still have towers to uh, to take over. <laughs> Great. In the driving game. Yeah. <laughs> well then. Yeah. The yeah. Thing about Ubisoft th- games like negative interest me. Yeah. 
I look the thing at the about, Far Cries and, the, and the Watch Dogs, and it's just like this does not. This looks like the opposite of what I would enjoy. I'm going to go play Saga and Sonic Adventure. <laughs> oh man, there's a picture of the map of Assassin's Creed Unity. Oh god, with just like a billion oh, icons on it. As soon so as you start unpleasant. the game, it's like screw that. Oh, it looks so boring. Yeah, I only play good games, thankfully. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But the thing about the outposts in Far Cry 2 is that if they didn't repopulate, you'd never be shooting a gun in that game because there's so little besides them. Yeah. That, like, what do you expect? Like, this is a first-person shooter. There do have to be enemies once in a while. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, Yeah, I really like that they repopulate. If they didn't repopulate, you would be driving for 10 minutes, getting to the mission objective, shooting six dudes, and then being done for another 10 minutes. Like, there has to be some tension. That like, would not yeah. be a satisfying gameplay loop. No. I mean, it's the way where I'm at, it's already kind of become... It's grating a, and annoying and boring. Yeah, because I'm going through the same areas over and over. Because I'm at, like, 80% of completion. I'm close to the end. It's just like, uh, I kind of have seen the tricks here. So, mm-hmm. I really want to finish it just to say I finished it, and but it's it's an interesting game. I think it's kind of like a game that uses difficulty to set the mood, kind of like Dark Souls almost, mm-hmm. where Far Cry 2 is you're in Africa and there's this civil war kind of going on, and you're caught in the middle, and it's just a shitty place, and you have malaria, and everybody's trying to kill you. It's generally unpleasant. Yeah. That sounds lovely. So I think the difficulty kind of makes sense in the context mm-hmm. of, like, this is not a sh- nice place. This is a shitty place. And then Far Cry t- 3 is just, like, you're a Satire. tourist. Satire. Oh, yeah. Satire. Yeah, What? Totally. They didn't get it. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Well. Ugh. Can't believe they didn't get our sat. Higher. Plebes. Plebes. <laughs> I mean, I guess in the context of you are literally a tourist in Far Cry 3, it kind of makes sense that way. Because <laughs> it's just the kind of game where nothing pushes back against you. Yeah. Where Far Cry mm-hmm. 2 is the game that's like, fuck you, you're out of ammo. <laughs> like, oh Sorry God. about your luck, dude. <laughs> yep. Oh, sorry, that guy ran you over when you couldn't see him. Yeah, Far Cry 2 sounds about infinity times better, and I totally understand how Far Cry 3 got way higher. um, Yeah. It's engineered for for mass appeal. Yeah. I mean, Far Cry 3 does do interesting things, though. Like, in its defense, it adds uh, more stealth mechanics that just aren't present in 2 at all. Right. Like, 2 is so silly. Like, you can sneak up to a guy... Nobody sees you. As soon as you stab him, everyone's yeah, is like, everybody oh my God. is immediately <laughs> alerted. Yeah, it's like, what the fuck? I mean, three goes way too hard in the other direction where, like, you can get a stealth kill and then enter some weird automatic stealth kill mode where you can, like, press W and, like, chain stab yeah. like, five guys in a row. Yeah. So maybe they went overboard in the other direction, but I do appreciate that they added a stealth thing in three. Oh, yeah. And then, like, the wildlife in Far Cry 2 is just there. Like, there's no mechanics tied to it whatsoever. And that's something that Far Cry 3 and 4 really yeah. lean into. 
which I kind of hated because I don't like killing animals. Right. Like, when people talk about, like, shooting rhinos in Far Cry 4, I'm like, well, I don't want to play that game now. Like, that doesn't sound nice. Yeah, that sounds really sad. So, yeah. Yeah. And the final thing I'll talk about this week is that I played Assassin's Creed. Oh, boy. Colon, Freedom Cry. Oh, boy. Were you you Freedom Crying Tears of Boredom? No, I actually really enjoyed it. Really? Oh, yay. So this is... It was originally released... Released as DLC. It was DLC for 4, which is the pirate one that people actually like because pirate stuff, not the Assassin's Creed part. But uh, I really enjoyed it. And it's like six hours long and you get your little Assassin's Creed vignette and it's not like the 60-hour experience that drives itself into the ground. (laughs) And the pirate stuff is still really damn fun. Or rather, it's really damn fun because I've never played 4 or 3 or the new one. <laughs> and John was talking about how Metal Gear Rising was this really cathartic, like, killing cops and politicians game. Right. <laughs> and Assassin's Creed Freedom Cry is this really cathartic game where you get to kill slave owners. Oh, well, that's, that's pretty well. good. I would want to kill slave owners. Uh-huh. <laughs> So it makes you really feel really bad and shitty about the situation at the start, and then you fucking take your machete and start chopping people up, and it's kind of fun. <laughs> That's pretty nice. That sounds a lot like Django, and that game got an Oscar nomination. That movie yeah. got an Oscar nomination. <laughs> and so I haven't played Assassin's Creed 4, so I'm not sure how much of this was made, how many of the mechanics were just made for this, but... A lot of it is plantations that you go to. Mm-hmm. And you have to sneak around and kill like the guards and then the owner. And it's it's funny because it's the first time stealth has actually seemed to have mattered in, a, in an Assassin's Creed game in a while. Yeah. Because if you get seen, they'll start killing the slaves. That's unfortunate. So you really don't want to be seen. Because, well, don't worry. Yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think I actually let anybody die for the most part. Good for you. But it's like, oh, I actually care about not being seen. Instead of just, like, walking in there being like, hey, guys. And then engaging. <laughs> and being, like, super obvious. And right. then just going into the combat. I was actually trying to get stealth kills and not be seen. And I turned off the minimap to make it harder. Damn. Parkour, parkour. Those games are so easy anyways. Oh, yeah. And then... When you have a mini-map that highlights all the enemies before you've even seen them, like, what is the point at that point? It even shows you which way they're facing. Jesus. Like, they're little arrows, so you know how to sneak up behind them. (laughs) So when I turned off the mini-map, it did, the combat got a lot more interesting because I'm actually getting to a safe spot and then turning on the eagle vision and kind of tagging the guys to be like, okay, that guy's over there, which, what loop is he walking? And then taking them all out, even though the combat is or the stealth is still super easy where you can like run at a guy full tilt yeah, and then they... hit attack as soon as you're behind him. And then he like tackles the guy and then shoves the machete in his back Jesus. as you're tackling him. And nobody will hear that. <laughs> okay. It sounds like stealth kills and revengeance. Yeah. Yeah. It's probably, yeah. That is subtle as a fucking sledgehammer. Yeah. 
it's yeah, it's really violent and cathartic. <laughs> and then the boat stuff is fun. Like I haven't played four to see that stuff before. It's like the one downside of this is that I kind of bought it as thinking like, oh, I'll get like a little sampler, and if I hate it, no loss. Right. And now I'm like, oh, I really want to play Assassin's Creed four now. Oh, <laughs> to get more well, that's of this. Like the, uh, the they okay suckered one, you, right? Hmm? That's the pretty good one, right? Yeah, yeah. that's the one that people seem to genuine, generally believe to be pretty good. Mm-hmm. But this is DLC for that originally. Yeah, but they it made is, it a standalone game. Yeah, which is really weird. But it apparently, were, it worked out for Red. Yeah. They were really proud of this one. They wanted people to actually play it without <laughs> owning the full game. Pride in their work. Imagine that Ubisoft. Yeah. Huh. The weirdest thing is that. You can turn off like every element of the UI individually, except for hints. Oh, oh so on. I posted a screenshot in Steam where it's like everything in the UI is off, but it's still like, oh, here's how to unlock the next mission, and oh, by the way, press B to counter. Like, oh fuck my you, God. Yeah, Ugh. the one, uh, the combat and Batman does this too. If you miss, like, two counters, it'll start flashing, like, press B to counter. It's oh like, my. shut up. I hate video games. Yeah. Like, this won't... The one thing I will say about Assassin's Creed 4 is that it seems like a game very afraid to just let you be. Yeah. Like, it is co- it's still kind of constantly flashing things up, like, oh, there's a slave over here. Go save him. Mm-hmm. God. Yeah, that would... God, that shit drives me nuts. It's why I couldn't finish Far Cry 3, because it just kept nagging me, trying to pull me in, like, so many different directions at once. It's just like, yeah. I'm OCD, motherfucker. I can't do this. <laughs> yeah. Freedom Cry is really weird, because, like, you'll walk through the main city, and there's and there's these little points of interest where, like, there will be slaves to rescue. Yeah. And it, like, alerts you as soon as you get near any of them every single time. But then they just repopulate, like, as soon as you enter another load. Oh. Like, so there's this one, the one building you enter in to get most of your missions. Like, every single time you come out, a slave will run by and be like, oh, gotta catch this guy. Oh, my or, God. Or catch the guy chasing him. It's just like, you're making this dynamic world feel incredibly static by yeah, having that's these things. A dumb thing that should be not- so predictable. Yeah. Yeah. Like in Far Cry 2, having things repopulate makes sense because it adds tension to that world. And it sounds like in Freedom Cry, by having the slaves repopulate, it makes it feel like you're not making a difference yeah. at all. Which is you know, sad. Even the worst thing is that the plantations themselves will repopulate after like a day of game time. Like, oh, they found a new owner. Oh, it's really silly. Like, you mm. don't actually have to do those. Wow. But yeah, the fact that the game just kind of never lets you just be was a real contrast to Far Cry 2, which is just a very kind of leisurely paced game, oddly enough. Leisurely paced and, you know, confident to, like, leave you to your own devices. I just really like driving around in Far Cry 2 and just watching, like, the sunsets and stuff. That sounds so nice. (laughs) The day-night cycle is really nice in that game. Like, the days Mm -hmm. are really long unless you set your stopwatch when you when you go to sleep so that's what i've been playing awesome awesome i've played a few video games myself you know 
I know a thing or two about interactive digital software entertainment. Uh-huh. And last couple of weeks, I haven't really gotten into much of it. Aw. Uh. <laughs> uh, it's just been, you know, hey, the holiday kept things a little busy. Um, general lack of interest, I guess. Um, I played a little more Binding of Isaac. Um, oh, you know, big surprise there. Yeah, big surprise. <laughs> that game's still great. Uh, I'm still loving, you know, firing up and doing random runs. I'm I'm reaching to a point now to where, you know, you're not getting as many unlocks now because, you know, I've unlocked, like, 300 items out of something like 340. But you're still getting new ones, which is kind of crazy after, yeah, like, you know, 60 like, hours. Yeah, I've got almost 70 hours in this game, and I've still, you know, got a ridiculous amount of content to go. I've I've still not, you know done everything in hard mode yet um oh I've, boy i've still got six or seven challenges that i haven't completed so i'm still far from done with that game um but it, it, i have noticed you know i've been slowing down a bit um i also played uh, a cute little dos like platformer called murray uh Ooh, I, think, I played this yeah this is a it's a throwback uh, to mostly the Apogee games, um, like, uh, blah, 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 the original Duke Nukem, uh, and you've got some Jill of the Jungle influence in there, too. Uh, it's just a very simple, rudimentary, like, hey, look, this is a freaking DOS platformer kind of game. It goes so far as to emulate, you know, even running at 16 or 32 frames a second. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel that playing that game at 16 frames a second is the best way to enjoy it because it's it feels authentic, like the mechanics, the gravity, the way the levels I think I are played structured. It at 16. You know, everything about it just feels very faithful to what they're trying to do. You know, it's like it's been a good year for games like that with like Oniken and Jet Gunner emulating, you know, the NES style, and then you've got this game that uh, so accurately emulates like the VGA kind of, uh, you know, just old style of platformer you don't see anymore um the thing that i realized about these kinds of games though and it's something that i don't know why i find it so satisfying but these games are like littered with point power-ups all over the fucking place with just like little dumb icons or stuff and you you know you walk past them and i'm like motherfucker give me all the points I want all the points, and I don't mean that I grab this thing and you add it to my total points. When I pick up those points, I want to see how many points, you know, I want to see it pop up in big rainbow flavor text telling me I got 500 points for picking that fucker up. (laughs) Uh, And it's so stupid and satisfying, and I don't know why. It's just, and I spent probably way longer than I should have uh, getting as high a score on every stage as I could, 100%ing uh, all of the power-ups and shit, and it was just like, it was a dumb little game, it's it's fun, uh, but, you know, definitely know what you're getting yourself into, because it is bare bones um, in mm-hmm. every sense of the word, uh, but it's a, just a brilliant callback. Um, That's a Daniel Raymar game, he made EG and HeroCore. Oh, really? Yep. I did not know that. That's why I bought it originally. Yeah, it's it's... funny because EG's story is like really on the nose and kind of self-important, I think. Oh, yeah. And then HeroCore's story is pretty restrained and has a nice payoff and doesn't make it push itself in your face. And then nowhere near as like on the nose as EG. And then Muri's story is just like 
really in the background and just total nonsense. Uh, like, it might I be couldn't total make nonsense. sense of any of it. It, it. it might be total nonsense, but it does have a very nice conclusion, I think. Um, mm-hmm. It wraps itself up very nicely, but, uh, you know, it's... Kind of, yeah. I like the going into the core of the planet thing, but... Yeah, it's really It was cool. weird, because, like, there was this progression from EG to Herocord and Muri that I thought was really funny. Where I was like, oh, okay, this is good now. Oh, wait, no, too far, too far. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, Murray, uh, really cool game. I've been thinking mm-hmm. about Let's Playing it just to give more people a look at it, but we'll see. We'll know. Yeah, it's cute. I'm lazy, so it might get done and it might not. Uh, I also played, um, I think it was released last year, the, uh, the new Shadow Warrior. Um, this is, um, uh, sort of like, um, I guess not really a remake, but sort of a re-envisioning a re-envisioning of an old um, 3D Realms game that was well largely offensive and just generally distasteful towards Asian culture as a whole. Mm-hmm. Um, but the, uh, this game is a little more tasteful. It doesn't quite go out of its way to be as offensively stereotypical. Um, but it does hang on to a lot of the attitude from those eras. So, you know, silly one-liners, a mouthy hero. It's got a decently intriguing little story. Um, but I just find myself, like, um, especially after a bit of a, a checkpointing incident, uh, I'm not too interested in finishing it. Um, basically, basically what happened was there was an area where you're running around in the sewers... And you have to keep running back and forth between, like, two or three smaller areas to keep unlocking doors. And I died heading towards the last um, area to open it up uh, to, to exit the level entirely. And when I respond, I respond back at the start of that entire segment. Um, oh, and it took me about an hour to slog through that, and it was just like... I think the mechanics of the game are alright. Uh, I like the, the fact that it has a really hard focus on melee combat. Uh, the sword is just really satisfying and fun to use, but you sort of quickly run the gamut of what you can do with it, or it, and a lot of the time its effectiveness you know, can be called into question with certain enemy types and what have you, and... Mm-hmm. The guns themselves don't really start feeling satisfying until you get uh, the four-barrel shotgun. Um, and I just... I, I guess just the general level design and the hook just weren't enough to make me want to have to go through all of that crap again. Uh, I like what yeah. it's doing, but I wish the level design was better. I wish there was a better a better enemy, enemy variety. Mm-hmm. Um... But it's one of those games that's just kind of like, you know what, maybe some other time, but you pissed me off. <laughs> and, and I'm not playing this again right now. Um, so, I don't know if I had to rate it. I'd give it a 2.5 out of 5 at the moment. Um, yeah, that's it's, fair. It's, 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 it's not terrible. Um, and, you know, like I said, the, the focus on the sword combat is really cool. Uh, and enemies do, like, you know, hey, it's not as crazy in depth as Revengeance, but things do cut up really fucking good. Yeah. Uh, a lot of things blow up really good. Like, you've got 
all of the requisite blood and gore you would want from all of your gunning and shooting. Um, but that's just not a game that I have the patience for right now, or at least, you know, yeah. give it a week or two, I might come back to it, but right now it's just like, no, F you, I'm not doing that whole area all over again, especially since it was so badly designed. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that felt like a game in general that kind of played its cards all really early. Yeah. Like, it's kind of the same thing for the entire rest of the game besides a few new guns. Yeah. Uh, like, I I did finish it, but it really drags in the middle, so I'm not entirely sure if it'd be worth going back for you. Yeah, it's like, I think it was on Chapter 7 or 8, and mm-hmm. I think that the status screen said there were something like 17 chapters or something. Yeah, it's kind of long and it was just like oh man is there really not that much more because you know like you said the game kind of blows its load up front yeah because the sword is so good and yeah you'll use that the entire game yeah you start out with it and it's really good um and but you don't really end up doing much else with it other than you know Mm -hmm. a couple of main moves or just normal slashes to you know dispatch most enemies and you know the guns just aren't really doing much for me i think i used the uzis a lot it takes a long time to upgrade them though oh yeah definitely um i can i i, I had a dual wielding was one of the first yeah. things i grabbed with that and i immediately you know like all right these are immediately cool now yeah um but then um, i used like the sword and the uzis for like the entire game yeah i was i was, so was i was falling in love with the shotgun uh, I was really liking that. I threw four barrels on that some bitch, and <laughs> it's so satisfying. It's got that Doom Two shotgun crunch to it, but it's two more barrels. So, so did you fight any huge bosses? Yeah, I fought um, uh, a dude. I had to shoot his armor off. Okay, yeah, yeah. Uh, that was pretty impressive. Yeah, um, I, I like I like it when first person shooters throw like crazy big ass bosses like that at you mm-hmm. um, it, it's, it's for so long first person shooters the bo- just didn't really have good boss fights it took them a long time to kind of figure that out right yeah it really did um, I don't I mean, think first person shooters have good boss fights now because they don't have boss fights yeah they, 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 <laughs> it's not something you see covered much anymore Call um, of Duty doesn't have a boss no <laughs> it has no. a QTE <laughs> <laughs> but um but yeah, I, I really like the boss that I saw, and if there are more, you know, in that same vein... There you know, are. That could be yeah. pretty rad. Um, but it's not a game that I'm in any immediate yeah. hurry to get back to, or, you know, may never see the end of it, but whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I I feel like I got enough fun out of it already, so even if I don't go back, I don't really think it's that big of a loss. Yeah. There's three main acts, and... By that, since you saw the first boss, you're in the second one, which I think definitely is the worst of the three. Oh, yeah, I can definitely tell it already. Just, it goes on way too long. Yeah, it's it's not super rad. <laughs> it's just, like, kind of a boring location, too, isn't it? Like, just a... What is it? Like, a business kind of thing? It's like a business... Like, you start off in, like, a boat dock or something. Yeah. And then there's, like, this warehouse slash sewer area that I was in. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it was just, it was just, yeah. That one goes on forever. Yeah, I, I like the setting of the first chapter a lot more. Yeah. Um, it's an okay game, but it, it kind of can tell it's a budget title where. Oh, yeah, definitely. But it's, a, it's, it's a good, 
It's a good budget mm-hmm. title. Yeah. And it doesn't it, sound like the source material is too special either. Uh, oh, God, yeah. The, the source material's really just... Yeah. It's offensive. Just... Gotcha. When I look back at that, I've never played the original Shadow Warrior, so when I beat this one, I looked at the original, and I was just like, oh, jeez, like... Yeah. I am low wing! It's like, really so, offensive. And it is so cheesy. bad. It's, yeah. Stay away from the original. <laughs> it's not, it's, it's not good. Um, and the last game I played in the last few weeks, which is a real big surprise because I don't play phone games that often. Um, but Even though they're the best place to play games. I think you're full of shit. Uh, um, I played through Monument Valley. That game is just top to bottom. I don't know how else I can describe it other than really fucking elegant. Um, how about sweet and nice and lovely and wonderful? And I just want to wrap myself in a giant blanket made of it. We can we can go with that if we're weirdos, sure. Mm. But um, yeah, it's sort of a perspective puzzler. Uh, you know think Escher paintings gone crazy that you can interact with mm-hmm. um, and the the it's all touch controls and interacting with the puzzles is just really easy they've, they've got a nice simple clean interface uh, it, you're never unsure of what you can and can't move on you know any bit of the geometry you're walking around in um, and it's just got this pleasant atmosphere this intriguing little story about crow people that uh, you know it winds itself it's to, so nice it winds itself to a very adorable conclusion mm-hmm. um, and you have your little square friend and you sit on him in the end and you're so nice yeah, I love it's, your little square friend. When when he comes back in the last level, that is so awesome. It's, it's just so like, it's like oh my god, you're alive. <laughs> yeah, it's just like you leave him behind um, at the end of stage seven or eight, I think, mm-hmm. and, and he just sort of like floats off into the ocean. You're and like, you're just no. like you're just like bye bye, little square guy. Oh. And, then, and then he eventually like washes up uh, on the final stage uh, to help you like get your way around uh, some of the the, the, the major um, 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 hub of the puzzle, I guess. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last level you're sitting on, and the last screen is the end, you're sitting on top of your little square friend. Yeah, it's... Everything about that game is just so good. It's, mm-hmm. like, the art design is just gorgeous. Looks great on that pretty much any device, I would say. Um just the the sound design is just so ear catching. Like I played the game with headphones on and I don't fucking play um oh, I, I, I don't have to play them with headphones on, obviously. I don't have a complete phone game experience. I don't play phone games with headphones on and I don't play fucking phone games much at all. But um I know you know they're this, totally the best. Shut up. <laughs> but I, I do know that, that, that there's, uh, like, another eight stages of DLC out there. Um, and they're great. And oh, my God. I'm definitely going to be grabbing those really soon. And uh, I think, John, you said that there was another stage out there? Yep, they released another stage for an AIDS an AIDS research campaign. And you can pay 99 cents. It'll go straight to charity. And you'll get a really nice little windmill level. It's probably the toughest level they've released yet, but it's still really approachable. 
But it's a uh, it's a really nice. cool game. It's it's a game that I don't think I would mind them just you know continually adding more to um, as time goes on mm-hmm. because it's it it just nails everything that it's trying to do uh, in this just brilliant little package. It's neither too long nor too short. It's easy mm-hmm. to pick up and put down. Mm-hmm. Um, the puzzles, you know, they they range you know from. Oh, that's really you know interesting. To oh, that's really fucking clever. To oh, that's just devious. Mm-hmm. You know, and they make it, it makes you look at perspective um, in a way that you wouldn't necessarily think of. Um, you know, it's not in the same way that Fez does. You know, because the images are still static, and you can just like move certain parts of them around to mm-hmm. to to change the perspective. Um, but but I I think that what Fez and Monument Valley both do is fairly comparable. Um, yeah, and and that they make you look at things differently. They make you look at the world around you and play around. Like you're rewarded for just playing around with what you can, and you know there's never any penalty for you know you can't die. You know it's just you know here you know if you can't figure it out and just come back to it later dog it's fine mm-hmm. um but yeah monument valley and top to bottom that's just a great little fucking game uh, anna loved it she played it through and i watched her play the whole thing just like experiencing it again it's like i know the room came out on you know pc and i'm hoping that there's some way maybe monument valley makes its way to pc as well because i really would like to see yeah. that game get uh you know, I, I would really love to see that game on a bigger screen, for one. Oh, I and, bet it would be pretty. And I would also just like to see that game get, you know, an even wider audience in the same way that, you know, hopefully The Room did. Um, so, yeah, that's basically been my last few weeks. Like I said, I've just been kind of busy, haven't had a lot of time, and not a lot of games have really stuck with me. Um, so, I guess with that said, we're going to go ahead and start wrapping things up here. What do you guys say? Sounds good yep. to me. So, I will remind everybody once again, December 18th, that is the deadline to have your Game of the Year lists in. We need your top three games and write a little bit about each one. Send in your to, lists. To podcast at SocksMakePeopleSexy.net. Um... And we'll be recording that episode on the 19th, and they'll probably start going up. Whether I don't know whether we're doing one or two episodes yet or not. <laughs> uh, it just depends. Uh, so those will start going up on December 21st, and sometime after that, after those have been floating in the air for a bit, we'll, do, um, we'll release our text-based lists on the site. So... Uh, with all that out of the way, John Thayer, where can we find you? You can find me at farawaytimes.com, and that has lists to my blog and my Twitter. Awesome. You Rhett. should. I talk a lot on Twitter, though. That's probably where you want to listen to me. And if Rhett. If you're interested in my thoughts. Yeah. And Rhett. If you're interested. Yeah. If you're interested. Rhett, where can we find you? <laughs> Inconsequentialexistence.com. And I'm Polly. Um... If you're getting this from the website, you know where to find me already, you idiot. Remember, we're the podcast that loves you. We are the only ones that love you. <laughs> <laughs>